Hello! Welcome to episode 220 of the UK Steelers podcast. You're joined as always by me, Simon Stanley, and uh, my two friends here, Gavin Marshall, Rich Setrone, here to join us, at least for the early goings of this show, to go over the sh- the, uh, the game against the Packers. How are you doing, gentlemen? Not too bad. Good to hear from Rich. Absolutely. Thank you. Good, yeah, good, good to, to be here. here. How are you doing? I know you got hard out, Rich, so I don't want to waste too much time. Gav, I heard that intake of breath. No, there was nothing. <laughs> I thought you were about to ask a question. Let Rich catch up with the listeners. Then. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to do. Yeah, I was going to say, I, that, that's exactly what I was about to say. I was, I was like, Rich, look, we're already wasting time. Rich, how you doing? What's going on? I'm good. <laughs> I'm, doing... <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for asking. It's good to be back. <sighs> Would it be this show if me and Gav didn't spend five minutes arguing at the top? Nope. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to jump right into it so we don't waste any of Richie's time because I want to hear your thoughts on a lot of things, Rich, including Kenny on the run game. Um, so let's get housekeeping out of the way. Follow the show on uh, uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash UK Steelers pod. I found out that you can now follow the show, Gab, without actually giving us any money. So maybe do that. You would maybe, I don't know what you would get out of that, actually. Maybe I'll figure figure that out. Yeah, but you can follow us on Patreon just in case anything happens that's worth following. Um, But if you do want to throw us a couple of quid just to uh, keep the lights on, as our wonderful show producers did this month, please do. uh, Those show producers are Rob Ferguson, Mark Hansen. uh, Conspicuously absent today, Gav, I've noticed. Mark Hansen. I am, of course, talking about Mr. Keanu Benton. (laughs) I know, on today of all days. He will be after that game. Uh, Glenn Jones, Matt Audley, Joel Spencer, Steve Williams, Jason Bowdler, Ian Ferruja, Christian Robb. Thomas Fielding, and Joe Pearson. Thanks to those wonderful producers. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay, the Steelers sit at 6-3 and three after the game against the Packers. 23-19 was the final score. The heart, heart attack Steelers are here to stay, as it seems like they have been for the last three or four years. Um, feels like a case of deja vu after this game. I don't know about you guys. We're back again with a, a kind of a win is a win situation. Uh, the defense holding on to win it at the final buzzer. Uh, how many games have we seen that have ended in almost this exact script in the last two or three seasons? Mm, quite a few, especially with, with Kenny. I did have a revelation that perhaps Kenny is suited to end of game scenarios because he's, he thrives in the uh, quick game kind of hurry up style. And also, he's good at throwing out to the boundary, which is what you have to do in two-minute drills to keep stopping the clock. So that was that came to me, but not that that was really relevant relevant in this game because that that that's actually an interesting point that I never thought about. I'd not thought of it; it just came to me today. But um, really, it was a kind of ramshackle defense that managed to piece it all together there, hold it hold it off. Because how confident were you that they they weren't going to let Green Bay? Go down the field and score. Matriculate down the field. I was. I don't know why. But I was. I think maybe it's just the probably last week's experience. Obviously, with Will Levis in a very similar situation, but also just the amount of times we've seen it. I did feel strangely confident, which is something I don't normally feel in these situations. Well, I wasn't because of the way they they were getting all those explosive plays. They were, yeah, sure. I know, but I just I feel like I've seen it so many times now that I'm just used to the script. <laughs> we just don't lose these games. Um, usually, when we lose, we get blown out by a bad team, um, or even or even a good team. Uh, what about you, Rich? Were you, did you feel like you were confident in that final drive of John Love's? Or? Yeah, I felt pretty good. Um, I didn't think Green Bay was much of a threat coming in, to be honest with you. If if I would have been on the show, I, I think I would have predicted. I think I had it 31-17. I thought this was mm-hmm. going to be a game where our offense would finally break out. And they, they, they did somewhat. Um, Green Bay's not that strong against the run. So I thought we'd probably do well 
on the running game. I didn't know we would do that well as well as we did. So that was pretty nice to see. But um, yeah, I, I was pretty confident that even in that last drive, I thought our defense would come come up big. It's it was um <clears throat> it was certainly interesting though. This is getting to be too much of a habit. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like we've entered this. And the national media's picked up on it now, so the debate is sort of raging on as the Steelers are six and three and looking a little bit more relevant. Of you know, is this just a tactic? You know, is this something that Tomlin does? Is this coaching? Is this is this sustainable? And and I think the arguments become well, we can't say that it isn't sustainable anymore because it, it's sustained. <laughs> but but I guess the issue is whether that's sustainable as you get deeper into you know January and, and whatnot and into the playoffs. But that, that's a whole other conversation that I think we've had many times. What I want to do is just for this game specifically, and then we'll, I want to start with the run game first and then we'll get to Kenny, uh, is just go over the, the kind of the, the high level events, opening snapshot, if you will, of, of what happened in the game, just to, just to, because I think for this one, especially as, as we get to the second half, there was a lot of interesting stuff that went down. So maybe we can talk about some specific plays. Um, but the game kind of went like this. Steelers get out to a strong early lead, scoring 17 in the first half and, uh, an early two-score lead. I thought we were kind of lucky with a lot of Green Bay penalties in the first half. I don't know if either you, you two felt that way. I think it evened out a little bit as the game went on, but hmm. um, there was a lot of Green Bay penalties in that first half, um, and some that I thought were a little bit questionable. Second half opens with uh, letting the Packers return a kickoff to our 44-yard line. Um, the Packers surge up in the third quarter, only a blocked extra point from Pat Pete. obviously keeps the Steelers ahead at 17-16. The trade field goals it ends up being 19-17. Uh, uh, in the, with the Steelers uh, briefly, uh, sorry, with the Packers briefly up nineteen seventeen in the third quarter before the Steelers uh, go one point up again, and then and then you reach that weird end of game situation with those two Packers drives where the Packers kind of match the field. If it had been a three point game rather than a four point game, which you know we'll look back on as as Pat Pete making one of the most impactful plays he might make as a Steeler. Right. Um, if it had been that three point game, then they could have tied it, but needing a touchdown, Jordan Love, much like Will Levis a week prior, uh, needed that touchdown and ends up throwing. Into the end zone where Patrick Peterson again with a, with with great tight coverage in the, in the corner of the end zone um, just just casually kind of knocks the ball down to uh, Keanu Neal there I think and uh, we go back up it's twenty three nineteen Pat Pete's blocked extra point is still the still the difference in the final drive as, as we mentioned um, offensive PI call on on uh, Calvin Austin stops us from icing the game which I thought I'd love your thoughts on that call because I got to be honest. Kind of looked like the rece- the um, the defender slowed down to to run into Calvin Austin to me. I don't know if I'm being homerish, but I, I questioned that decision. Um, and mm. then with three seconds left in the red zone, Steelers call a timeout as Minka is is making a scene on the sideline. Turns out he saw the play call was all wrong. Apparently, he made a beeline to Terrell Austin um, to kind of scream for an urgent timeout, which, which was allowed. The Steelers line back up. They're guarding the ball on the goal line with six DBs deep. Um, Love throws it and, and KZ seals the game with an interception. And uh, and then what proceeds is one, one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a football field. Or at least I thought it was funny until I heard the interview today with Danny Smith, where KZ proceeds to um, just make a beeline for the oldest man on the sideline, seemingly for absolutely no reason, when he could have just sat down and won the game and completely wipes him off the face of the, app for no, uh, of, of the map for no reason at all. I thought that was a little bit strange. But um, that's how the game ends. And it's, it's another one where we have... Uh, a final sequence with a big defensive play call, and this time Minka Fitzpatrick is getting a lot of the plaudits. What do you make of that? Well, it shows you how integral he is to the what goes on on the back end and the, the D overall. And I think he was missed on this game. I think that's why he saw a lot of the sort of some of the mix-ups at the back end and the big plays happen. I think he's 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 sorely missed. Have you ever seen that, Rich? A player like 
force a, a coordinator's hand on a play call with three seconds left in the game? <laughs> no, not exactly like that. No, I haven't seen that before. But I can tell you when when the defense was first set up, I, I didn't care for it. I, I didn't really like the formation. I, I had no idea what was going on, on the sidelines. But then when they came back, uh, after the timeout, I thought, oh, yeah, this looks much better. So I, Mika obviously <laughs> knew what he was doing. Um, I, I think it, I give Austin credit, though, for taking taking it into account. You mm. know, like mm. a lot of co- coaches, and I think Tomlin might be one of them that would would not even consider it. You know, but give I'll give Austin credit for, for considering, you know, what Mika was saying to him and taking into account that, you know, the guy's a, a pro bowler and he's, he's, he's out there and he's doing it and – you know, so I, I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. My, my first thought was kind of, is it is it worrying that the, the players can call a better play than the DC? But I, I guess that's going to be true of any player once you get to that level. I mean, nobody's complaining that Tom Brady was making calls at the line, you know? So No, and there's there's moments where absolutely they're going to, somebody could possibly have a better idea. Sure. You know, they're, they're, they're there because, you know, consistently they're, they have, they have the game plans and they, they're they're ready for they're supposed to be ready for any situation that pops up on the field, you know, whether it's second and short or second and long or whatever. So that's you know, but if you take like just little segments of a game and somebody sees something that maybe the coordinator missed, yeah. you know, that that's going to happen, I'm sure, fairly often. And it's been said that Minka is definitely one of the most cerebral players. Yeah. You know, he's the guy that he's a good state a tape study and understands the game and all over the schematic. So I think they, you know, if it was, I don't know, Elijah Riley stepping up with that, I don't think they would have taken any notice, <laughs> but you know, he's, he's got some clout clearly in the, in the, you know, the meeting rooms and, you know, tra- on the training field and everything. So it's, you know, they listen to those guys. Yeah. Um, I thought Matt Audley brought up an interesting point on Patreon. He said, after Neil's uh, INT, should we have been better at controlling the clock and seeing the game out? The pass at third and nine out of the two minute warning, um, should we have ran down the clock? possibly avoiding Calvin Austin's penalty, almost allowing Green Bay to air it back down the field was too close versus the Ravens the other week as well. So, yeah, I hear what all the, Matt Audley's saying here, referencing the third down pass to George Pickens that was obviously ruled out. I mean, that ended up being a great play, right? I mean, it was thrown mm. on the money. It was the only pass that Kenny Pickett completed across the middle of the field all day, and it was brought back by penalty. Um mm. I got to be honest with our defense. Personally, I like I love that call. I'm all for throwing the ball on third and well, third and long in that situation. Not not super long, but you know, third and less than ten. Yeah, it was also the timeouts. There was a couple of really weird timeouts, right? I thought on the after third, they get they call one after on third and third and nineteen. They get eleven yards and they're going to punt. Well, I didn't get that one. Can you explain that one to me? Fourth quarter. I can't. When when was it? Just before the punt. What on the on this drive? Oh uh, yeah, hmm. I, I I don't understand what that time. I, I don't even remember stamina that stamina or injury or something. They're basically they're calling a timeout for Green Bay there. Green Bay yeah. would have appreciated that timeout. Yeah, yeah. And they did the same at the end of the the, the first half as well. Timeout then punt. Hmm. I don't know what's going on there. Something weird happened. Okay, that's something to keep an eye on. I didn't even register that that we were taking the timeouts just before the punts. Hmm. I don't know if it was um, something well, to do I, I, with I suppose, uh, the long snapper. I Is suppose it, uh, before that final punt, I mean, it wouldn't matter, right? The clock was stopped. It was on a penalty. No, that was the, that was the one after. Oh, I see. Okay, I think I may be right, but no, I don't think so. Uh, I don't need to double check that. <laughs> but either way, the play itself—I I personally that wasn't the same pick play. That was a different punt. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but the pick play 
What uh, you you didn't think that was relevant? It shouldn't have been called. Uh, when I watched the replay, uh, someone had slowed it down on Twitter and whatnot. You could kind of see that Calvin Austin is just running his route, and the defender slows down chasing George Pickens and runs into Calvin Austin like with force. It That's doesn't Drew- feel like Calvin Austin initiates that contact to me. Drew the pick. Almost. Yeah. Mm. Well, go, honestly, good. go watch it again, slow down. It looked really clear to me that it was not on the Steelers, but that, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I, I agree with Sai. I didn't think it was egregious. And I've seen Belichick. You know, Belichick was the master of that play, um, at least the Patriots were. I don't know if I could give the credit to him, but they used to use that all the time. And it was very egregious. And the referees seemed to let them get away with it 90% mm. of the time. That one didn't, didn't look too egregious to me at all. It was sort of behind the route, wasn't it? It wasn't like mm-hmm. in front of the guy. So he, it looked like he'd already lost his sort of route against Pickens. So maybe it was. Maybe it was a case of, oh, I think I'll try and draw the pick because I've lost. Yeah. I've lost he, he'd there. absolutely lost. Yeah. I, I implore you to go and, and just watch that play again because I'm convinced that the way he kind of moves, because he's running straight behind Pickens and then he veers to the right into Austin. It's kind of mm. weird. But um, either way, it, it didn't matter because the defense held up, thank God. But it's just another example. I think I think, feel like every one of these games this year, there's been one of these plays where we've, there's been like either a referee indecision or a coaching decision that we questioned. And it could have just, you know, it, it was this close to just turning the game to the, to the other direction because every one of our games is is close at the moment. Mm. Um, well, what nearly turned the game, I think, was losing Quan. That really yeah. hurt him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a whole thing of its own, right? I mean, with Quan and Holcomb out now, we're looking at uh, mm. Roberts and Robinson. Yeah, but I think we've seen and... we've seen the difference that having a, a linebacker that can actually cover. Yeah, you can see it straight away. Huge difference, and then you're seeing quite a lot of the thing, the bigger plays going where you've got Roberts and Robinson who are great downhill backers and and sideline to sideline, but just going backwards, they just haven't got it. Yeah, um, and it's it's a weakness going forward, and that's I think that's why they've sort of moved into trying to bring in a few people. But I mean, they're just scraps. I mean, I don't know what Michael Walker and Tariq Carpenter are going to do for you, really. Yeah, we have got Michael Walker, who he's well, he's logged thirteen hundred snaps on defense. He's a I can tell you, he was one hundred ninety seventh from Mike's big board as oh, he sent them over the nice. other day. Good, yeah. good shout, Mike. Um, so he's had 20 starts. Given the experience, it's likely we'll see him elevated. I think he'll be probably linebacker three unless something else happens. He was he, the thing is he's more of a Michael um, Michael Walker's more of a kind of um, Mark Robinson type hard yeah. hitter, yeah. former former defensive end. So he's not going to help him. So that's the concern. Past. Then we've got this Tariq Carpenter fellow who's a seventh round pick um, from Green Bay who converted to linebacker from safety this off season. Two hundred and six on Mike's big board. It's not considered likely that he'll be pulled up from the practice squad because he's he's a bit of a raw kind of moldable project mm. kind of guy. I don't see him getting snaps. And then we've just signed Tyler Murray to the practice squad straight off the Amazon warehouse roster. Right. Um, he's a UDFA who spent time with the Bengals in training camp, but he says that he brings versatility and ball hawk mentality as a former college safety, and he's more of a quick linebacker. So I, I did wonder, Gav, as you say, mm. if we brought him in, he as like, yeah, as kind of the guy that, well, he's got a little bit of coverage uh, coverage chops. He's got good production in college, even if he hasn't done anything in the NFL. Mm. Um, throwing a bit of a dart at the dartboard there to see if he can give you anything in coverage or any defensive snaps, we'll, we shall see. But uh, it's just concerning at linebacker right now, because especially with Minker, no, you know, no Minker in the back end, no Quan or Holcomb in the middle. Not that I thought Holcomb was, you know, a, a coverage darling or anything, but Quan certainly offered you some upside there. 
Yeah. And all of a sudden, it just felt like, you know, people are streaming through the through the back end again, and, and Jordan Love looks like a baby Joe Montana. And I, I'm concerned what happens when we play a Joe Burrow rather than Jordan Love. Mm. Yeah, you've got to hope that that's just, like, knocking the rust off, because there was a lot of standing on your heels watching Jordan Love while someone tears yes. past you, yeah. and then curls their route behind you and is suddenly open for, like, 46 yards, which we can't have again, because that's the way to lose games. Kind of a shame this happened a week after the trade deadline. Yeah, um, it's pretty rough. Leaves you a say, little bit out of options. Quan Tony's Achilles, right? Yeah, Tony's Achilles, and obviously Paul come out for the year with a knee. We yeah. are really lucky, you know, that we have the quality, um, the uh, the depth that we do at that position this year. This is probably the deepest, as far as quality goes, that I can remember the Steelers having in a, in a long time at that position. You know, just a couple seasons ago, we didn't have this this kind of depth, and that goes for the our edge rushers too. We got really nice depth at edge as well. And so very fortunate to have that. Yeah. That's the fine work of one Omar Khan. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the move is bringing Nat Neal down into play a bit of coverage backer. Light yeah. and safety though. Is the, is the yeah. issue and Neal's injured and. Yeah, Neal is injured. And uh, they, 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 you know, uh, Trenton Thompson played seven snaps. Yeah. And, uh, I don't want to see any more of that. Well, he's been told he's starting next week. Yeah. That's a concern. I really didn't like that guy's movement skills. And it showed up in his game, I thought. Uh, in seven snaps, you could see. But then seven it's snaps. like, well, it's just always I've got confirmation bias with these guys. I'm looking for the things that I've said previously. But <laughs> I do think it's out there. You know, he, he, I, I thought he was at fault for that 46-yard massive play to Jaden Reed at the end. Uh, he kind of backed off the route as KZ came close, and then. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people blame for that play. Um, if it's the one that I think you're talking about, the touchdown in the corner of the end zone. No, not that one. Oh, sorry. No, the one at, at the death that got them into the red oh, zone. Oh, okay, right, okay, with you. Because yeah. he was it, Trenton Thompson only played the seven snaps in yeah. the, at the end there, where they were in total prevent mode. Um. All right. Let, let's talk about a bit, a bit about this run game while we've still got Rich here. Um. Start with the backs, and we we stop. Well, we'll talk about it all as a whole. But I mean, you saw we. I said last week was the perfect sort of combination of, of Warren and, and Naji. I mean, this was the perfect combination of Warren and Naji, right? Naji goes for sixteen for eighty-two, three catches for fourteen yards and a touchdown all of his own. Not wanting to be outshone on a day where Warren goes one hundred and one rushing yards on sixteen attempts with his first century rushing mark, catching two passes for nine yards and a touchdown. Warren, I, listen, I've been kind of like on this little merry-go-round now for the last few weeks, Warren has become one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. It feels like he's single-handedly retaining my interest in this offense. Um, oh, I don't know, man. I, I am in love with this dude. This this is the best running back I've seen play for the Steelers since Le'Veon Bell. Rich, shoot me down. <laughs> you know, I, I can't, you know, and, and I got to give credit to Dave because Dave, it was, you know, all about Warren. Um, as was Mark last year. I want to, I want to let give Mark some props. He uh, put out his tweet that he had in the, in the training camp process that he was really high on Warren as well. So um, yeah, well, even, last, even last season, Dave was really high on, on Warren and, and I, you know, um, he just has some things that Najee does. And I still, I still like Najee's size and power. But he's just – he's quicker to hit the hole, and he's got better vision than Najee. Um, how how so, clear was the yeah. vision in this game? I, well – I, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, just – sorry. I, just just that one – just just that one play, that spin move, that, that unholy spin move. I mean, not only did it look cool, obviously it looked cool, 
He saw the block springing up and he threw that spin move so far in advance with precision timing. It was like I was watching like some expert on Madden because he knew it would get into in exactly the right position to cut. And what was weird was watching the play in real time, you could see what his mind was thinking. Yeah. And I just don't know that there's almost any other players that would have made that move in that spot. It, I don't know. It was so impressive. And, and it's just all vision and all contact balance. He doesn't go down to any arm tackles. Sorry, Rich, I've run over your point. Please continue. No, no worries. It was all good points you made. Yeah, I, I, I just I think the way they're using both of them now, I think, is really great. And, I, and I'm glad that on that, I think it was a fourth down where they, they ran that uh, – I don't know if it was an I can't remember if it was an outside zone or if it was a sweep. I'm not sure, but they they used uh, they used Jalen, which was absolutely the right call because he hits he hits the the line of scrimmage so much quicker than Najee does, and mm-hmm. and part of that is because his vision is better. You'll see Najee sometimes hesitate, not because not because he's trying to fake a guy out, but because he's looking for the hole. And I've seen it, seen him do that a couple of times against the Packers and the hole was right there. And sometimes he misses it. You know, it's it's like, it's just, he just doesn't have great vision and maybe he'll develop that at some point. But I think Warren's much better at that. And if you, if you need a, if you're going to run a play like that to the outside, I'm I'm going to use Warren every time I I think. And um, something else I wanted to mention, which is really interesting. I I just charted the first half because this is so time consuming, Um, but they're running a lot more man schemes now. And I, and I think you guys, if you remember a few weeks ago on the show, I had mentioned that I thought Cole was better in a, in a traditional man scheme and, and Najee was better in a traditional man scheme. Well, I listened to Ben Roethlisberger's podcast the other day and, they, and uh, Merle Hodges um, was on there and he took it a step further. He said, I, I think the whole offensive line is better in a man scheme. They just don't seem to excel in his own scheme very well. And I thought it was interesting that charting the first half, they, they actually used a man scheme probably – couple times more it was almost 50 50 but probably a couple of times more than the zone scheme and they haven't been doing that the, earlier in the year they're running mostly zone and it's hard to have a complete barometer against the Packers because they're not a good run defense team but it's going to be really interesting to see what type of schemes they run against the Browns because that's a really good defense so it'll be interesting to see if we can have success in one or the other or both like we did against the Packers. Cause I thought we actually ran the zone scheme pretty well against the Packers, you know, but um, I still like the, I still like the man scheme better. I think, I think our offensive line just is better at it. What I kind of charted, I charted left to right because I was interested in where they were running and what they thought of the line. And it seemed first half, they were getting a lot of uh, power man stuff to the right, including the two touchdowns. And, the sort of the most successful play to the left was when they pulled Jones over and he he bulldozed someone and they, they got twelve yards on that play. The second half they turned they went a bit more zone and ran it more all to the left with like tosses and pitches and jet sweeps and all the end arounds and stuff. So it's almost like they've they've now I don't know if it, they they want to hide that tendency, but it seems like they think the right hand side of the line is better for power and the left hand side is better for getting out in space. At least that's mm-hmm. what at least that's what the play calling would indicate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, if you notice that one that that uh, Jalen, I think it was the one Jalen picked up the first down. They it was like a counter because they 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 pulled all their linemen to the right, and they ran they ran Jalen to the left. And all they had all he had out there was I think Robinson was out there blocking. And I think maybe one other receiver was out there blocking, mm-hmm. but he did he did 
he joked juked out one guy and actually got a nice gain off it. I'm not sure if it was that fourth down play or not, but it was it was definitely a sweep to the left. Yeah, and I tell you what, Warren also brings, and he looks like Darren Sproles, Sproles doing it is that are those dump offs where he can just take a dump off and just just, just uh, yeah. He can just house that thing. He seems to pick what... up 10 yards on yeah. every one of these kind of plays. I, I, I was watching the game. I, I wrote down, literally, watching Jalen Warren reminds me of when we watch running back prospects in the draft. And you watch like a highlight cut up to see like all the best things that they do. But that's just Jalen Warren in one game in the NFL. <laughs> he does it all. It's crazy. Um, Rich, I didn't want to ask you. I do think that's the counter off having Najee there as well. Though. I understand. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And I love this thing where they're both getting 16 runs of the ball and this kind of produ- awesome. Absolutely. On board I think there's a perfect mix. I mean, look what's yeah. going on in Dallas right now. Yeah. Know, Pollard's kind Pollard of faded like away. That yeah. He's not the feature guy. You know, and, and there was for, for years, all the fancy people have been, have been wanting to run Zeke off that roster. But actually, Pollard's best years have come with Zeke there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fantasy community. Yeah. N- not seeing the bigger picture, maybe sometimes when it comes sometimes, to volume at the running yeah. back position. It's love volume, but sometimes it's about production. Yeah, and they're not necessarily. They could only have so much production. Um, yeah, uh, Rich, I wanted to ask you why you're still here. What, what have been your thoughts on on Jones then in the in the two games that he's played here um, last week and this week? I, I love his athleticism. He when they pull him. I mean, because you can't pull every tackle in the NFL. You know, not every tackle has that athleticism to do that. He really looks good. You know, I I think he's been playing really well. And it's going to be really uh, interesting to see what happens, you know, in the offseason. What do they they decide to do? You know, do they decide to switch him over to left and, you know, that's it? He's he's their career left tackle because I'm sure that's where they really want him, you know. Um, but I, I really uh, have been impressed with him in the run game. Pass game, he's he's decent. He's He's got a little bit to learn, I think. But um, I like what he's doing in a run game a lot. And I like how they're using him. He doesn't look like a rookie out there, does he? Mm-mm. He looks no. settled already, which is maybe testament to them easing him in and not putting him out week one, you know, that, that sort of murderer's row yeah. of edge rushes. So that's that's something to be said for the personnel decision. But he looks he looks calm and confident out there. He looks like he belongs, which is what mm-hmm. you hope from your first round pick. Yes, yeah, definitely. He, he's doing that, and he's as as Rich says, he's showing the kind of the special things that you might only get from a first round tackle. That athleticism. I mean, that's that that play I was talking about, that spin move play with Warren. Who's there? Who's pulled over all the way from right tackle over to what is effectively left left guard, right, and runs straight up there and and made the block to to open that hole. Mm-hmm. It's Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone else on that line could have done that. Um, no. So, I, I, yeah, I'm very excited about uh, how he's come on these last two games. Yeah. I think you're right, Rich, as well. I think Cole did look better in the first half. Second half, not so good. Yeah. He, more zone stuff. Yeah. Pay attention to that, guys, the, the, the schemes that they're running, because he does. When he, when he has a, when he knows his purpose, because zone, you're just not sure. You're not sure who you're going to be blocking, you know. But when he knows what he needs to do, he's got a, you know, he's got some athleticism that he he usually can make it work. It's it, I think when he really runs into trouble with his is these big power defensive tackles he runs into. You know, I, th- I think he, he he lacks a little bit in the strength department. Um, he's more technique oriented, and I think he has a little trouble with those guys. But yeah, I, I like I I I agree with Merle Hodges. I, I like that they're they're much better with a with a traditional man scheme. 
Wasn't that what Najee and Cole were referencing a few weeks ago when they were talking about stuff that they wanted to start running? I didn't that? hear that. No, I'm, I not, I'm not sure. I think we spoke about it on the show, Gav, where it was like in the bye week, that was it, when Najee and Mason Cole were like spending time and then brought suggestions on the run game or something. Oh, it was yeah. like a, maybe that was some, what some of this sort of man versus zone stuff came from, maybe. Well, the run game has improved since the bye, so yeah, if they yeah. were down to them, then fair play. Well done. Well, and, you know, it's so much easier on a running back. He, you, you know, you're, what hole are you going to yeah. You know which hole you're supposed to hit, and it's supposed to be there, and you don't have to worry unless it's not there. Now you have to get creative. But in a zone scheme, it's all creativity. You know, the running back, I mean, it's it's really a skill. I mean, I, I firmly believe that not any running back in the, in the NFL, you can just pop him into a zone scheme and he's going to flourish. I, it's it, you got to have great vision. you got to have quick decision-making. It's it, it's definitely not for every back. Hmm. It seems to have really exploded the zone blocking game. It, yeah. it seems so much more popular than it was. It used to be like a sort of novelty when teams ran it, but it's just so common now. I wonder why that is. It must be analytics or someone, something, or is it just a trend? Oh, if you, if you have the guys that can do it and they understand the system, it can be quite effective because you. It doesn't matter what the defense does. You know, if, if the defense is changing, changing their formation or sliding down the line, that then you got to start, you know, thinking with, with ahead of time before the ball snapped when you have a traditional um, man scheme because you have a hole that you need to open up. And now you got, oh, now I'm not blocking this guy. I'm probably blocking this guy. Now you get everybody has to be on the same page. But if you got a, a, a line that can run a zone scheme really well, it doesn't matter what they do in front. You know, you're gonna you're gonna come off the blocks the same way and hit hit someone, you know, and just drive them. So it's sort so. of taking pressure off the coaches in a way because they're not playing that numbers game in the box. They're just it's just chaos, right? It's just moving chaos, rolling thunder, like to the one way or the other, rather than that kind of like well, seven v eight, eight v seven, whatever it is, six v five. You know, that kind of numbers game where you can get exposed. So maybe it's just like rolling the dice. You just throw in a couple of zone blocks. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, but. I'm just trying to work out why why the Steelers are even running it at all when they're clearly not as good at it as as they are the well, more traditional stuff. Well, I think Myers, that's his thing, isn't it? I think isn't the zone scheme his thing, and and mm. I think Canada likes it as well. Right, and and it's probably why. Um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Um, why what's his name had such a problem? Who, who the the guard that went to the Rams? Oh, uh, Dotson. Dotson. Yeah, Dotson. It's he probably just never could grasp it because look, he's flourishing with the Rams right now. Yeah, he's a power guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was on PFF's uh, half like halfway through the season All Star team as the right. left guard. I was like, oh no. Yeah. It yeah. just feel like everyone that left the Steelers this year has had like an all time season. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's a shame to lose a guy because of, you know, he just couldn't, he couldn't do, he couldn't run your scheme. You know, it, yeah. that, that's a shame that it, he has the ability. And and that was, it was a nice draft pick. You know, what was yeah. he like a fifth or sixth or something? Fourth yeah. or fifth. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. It was a nice pick. Steelers fan as well as a kid. Yeah. It's it a was shame. a good story though. Who do you think selects that? What is, do you think that's a Matt Canada thing? Then he's appointed. To, who, who hires the O line coach? It's got to mesh with the overall plan, isn't it? I mean, you yeah. can't just. It's got to come down to Matt Canada at the end of the day. I mean, it must do, surely. Because again, it? this is again Matt Canada's fault why they lost Dotson. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that Canada's ever I guess. Uh, well, we can. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a nice segue. We can talk about whether he is or is not responsible for the woes of the passing game. 
<laughs> and we'll talk a bit about Kenny, but we'll start with uh, a couple of thoughts from the Patreonies because I think this link, this links in nicely. Um, the great Steve Williams, Oakley, uh wrote in, he said, uh, it's great that they're churning out wins, but as you say, they really are against middling opposition. The next few weeks may be the real test. It may be somewhat defeatist, but these victories just seem a little bit hollow, as I'm pretty sure we will get found out rather severely by teams that are half decent. I'm not convinced by Kenny Pickett at all, unfortunately. We can see his failings, and even though he flashes uh, positive moments in games, it seems to be someone else who has to step up to nab the win. That doesn't strike me as sustainable, especially against the upcoming proficient teams. So happy to be 6-3, and three, happy to be in contention, but expecting the worst down the track. Uh, Jason Boulder chimes in. Agree with Steve. We've been doing, we've been down this avenue before, kidding ourselves that we'll be okay. Twelve and zero a few years back springs to mind, and you would hope that the coaching staff and Tomlin in particular can't be this naive again. Tomlin defending his QB, absolutely, totally agree. But surely privately he has concerns. Throwing outside, throwing outside the numbers won't cut it against the cream of the crop. It's almost come down to whether we sever ties with either Canada or Pickett. Are both just not good together? Be interesting to see which way, if any, they choose. So this is like the, it feels to me this is the biggest debate in Steelers land right now, and it probably will be until the season concludes and we get some answers. What's wrong with the passing game? Is Kenny, not, is it not there? Uh, were we wrong? Were we, uh, was the wool pulled over our eyes in preseason? Or is something Matt Canada, is Canada's doing limiting Kennedy? Uh, Kenny, is it too late altogether? I mean, in this game alone, he's finished with 14 for 23, 126 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And while you can appreciate a game manager, doesn't it feel like Kenny's numbers, like it's like this now just every week. And and when when you stack him up against his young peers, you know, and I I know the CJ Stroud thing does him no favours, but even if you look at the Sam Howells or, you know, some of these other guys that have been playing one, two, three years, Kenny doesn't do a good job when you look at the numbers next next to those guys. He does feel like a rookie still. Yeah. He doesn't do. What does he do to elevate the team? Now, now we we understand the clutch thing. This is the weird thing. He's got the longest streak of no interceptions in the league. He's won more comeback victories in the third quarter than like any other QB outside of Mahomes and Brady or something crazy like that, right? But yet, it's like he uh, defies all the statistical categories, right? Because the eye test tells me he sucks. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if he sucks. You know, I, I think if, if jo- Josh Dobbs has taught anything, it's we should like hold off judgment. That's been in my mind all week. Since too you said quickly. It. Yeah. Yeah. That um, has been in my mind all week. But how long do you hold off? Yeah. In it, or, or that sentence said correctly. He does stuff well, but he also does stuff very poorly. And the, the, the thing that's troubling me is the accuracy because it's yep. just all over the place. That one, he did, took those two deep shots. The first one was a dime on a rope. Uh, DJ couldn't come down with it. The second one, you know, the one I'm talking to, to at the end there. And then the second one to Pickens was about two meters over his head. And mm-hmm. uh, it just, at that time, you just can't be doing that. What do you think, Rich? We haven't, haven't spoken to you about Kenny for a little while. Where are you? <clears throat> well, I, I think I'm at the point uh, where I, I don't think he's the answer for our franchise quarterback. Um, and I think, though, if the Steelers decide that they want to give him another another season, another year to to develop and, and and see where they're at at the end of next year, then they have to fire Matt Canada at the end of the season. You have to because this combination is not working. So if you you got to you got to look at this and say who's the who's the more important of the two people? Is it your OC or is it your 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 quarterback that you hope is a franchise player? 
And I think I think it's obvious that it's it's quarterback. So I fire Matt Canada at the end of the season. I hire somebody immediately, and I have I have that OC and Kenny like live together the the entire uh, the entire off season and just digest that system, get everything that they get every you know every bit of it you know in, in his uh, in his hard drive so that he you know has a good grasp on the uh, offense by the time they go into uh, training camp. Um, but I, I, I don't think he is, I, I honestly, I, I can't see, um, I can't see him being our, our quarterback five years down the road. I, I just, I just don't, it's, he just doesn't seem like he, he, he doesn't see the field clearly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the worry, you know, and he just, his accuracy just isn't where it should be. He's just not, he's not consistently accurate with, with his passes. I think enough for this league. Yeah. Do we think there's something he is carrying some kind of injury because his his accuracy wasn't this bad last year? I didn't think. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, but um, he seems to have problems. He seems to have accuracy problems when he's stepping into throws. Yeah. Which I'm wondering is is some kind of basis of the rib injury? Is that he's yeah he's always he's he's always had gone. No, I'm sorry. Good. I'd say he's always he's always had problems controlling the velocity of his release, but it seems to be worse than ever at the moment. Yeah, there's a couple times when I I watched him miss a, a few passes that I've, I've thought throughout the season he's done this. He almost looked like a dart thrower. He almost looked like he was trying to place the ball. You know, in darts, it's it's all in your elbow. Yeah. You know, you 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 don't move your your shoulder muscles at all. You you keep that stiff, and you just it's just it just comes from your elbow, and you're 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 aiming. You're you know you're placing, and that he looked like he he he's done that a few times with the ball. Like he just doesn't trust his accuracy, you know. And I, man, I I don't know. I yeah, it's just not. He's just not. He's not turning that corner that I really expected in his second year. It's such a big year for. Uh, for a rookie quarterback when he goes into his second season, you know, he really needs to really needs to turn that corner. And, and I just don't see it yet. You know? And what about the vision? I mean, everyone's on Twitter saying, Oh, is it why are the Steelers, you know, the, the heat maps, why Matt blaming Matt Canada again for why there are no targets over the middle. Oh, sorry. There's hundreds of targets over the middle. <laughs> they like, I started taking photos. I stopped because I got into dub, you know, <laughs> the twenties of amount of times where there are targets, there are routes there. So it's not Matt Canada. He can't. He just cannot see receivers when the line is in front of him. But why has nothing changed? Because this is not a one week thing. This has been going on all season. These heat maps have become ludicrous. It's like become the first thing you see as soon as you log into Twitter after Steelers win is the heat maps of Kenny's throws and how it forms a U shape. Yeah. But but what I don't understand is why is that not then being a why is no? I mean, he must have done. But is, is no one sitting down with Kenny and saying, "Dude, throw the ball over the." An offensive lineman. <laughs> but he's not doing it. He's not taking the throws. The roots are there. I mean, do they need to get him on the VR headset? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do I mean, what's ha- what is happening there? Because because he did do it in year one, right? Did he? Did he? He, he did it more than he does now. Not he didn't. You know, he, he wasn't constantly thrown over the middle. He, he was always sideline throws. But I mean, in was- college, he did it. I remember. I remember he was peppering that sort of ten to fifteen yard. He would he would hit targets right across the field. He's not doing it in but- Pittsburgh. But are the players bigger? And it's something. As far as I'm concerned, wherever the blame lies for this, be it Canada, be it Kenny, whatever you want to say, 
this is the reason why the passing game is in the doldrums. The, 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 the lack of a game over the middle of the field is the answer. There's just there's never an ability for anyone to get yak. Your only hope is throwing it to Jalen Warren and he makes five guys miss. That's mm. it. You know, and, and he can't hit DJ accurately enough. You know, you saw a few plays just bounce off DJ's hands in this game because they were just kind of outside of his, his catchable radius. Um, mm. Pickens is obviously being underutilized and that's causing its own set of social problems within the team. Uh, I don't know, man. You, someone's got someone's to sit down with this kid and say, look, throw the ball over the middle of the field. It, you might have one or two interceptions more uh, than than you have now, but I don't know, man. Mm. This, this passing game is just, it's nothing. It doesn't exist. It's, it's it's a vision thing. I mean, he said he didn't see DJ streaking for that, what would have been a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, is some of this Muth being out, you think? Because it always felt to me like the best passes over the middle were to Muth. Possibly. And, but, and, but why would he not look into the situations? I don't but, really understand. But Muth's that. not really been alive since Kenny, really, has he? He's not had any kind of... I think Kenny's first year, he was he was plenty good, to, you know, running sort of seam routes and... Mm, yeah, the power seam was there, but not, and not crossing. No, not crosses, no. This is what it's resulted, resulted in, though. The Steelers have not had a lot of success in the passing game in 2023. This is from Steelers Depot. They rank in the bottom five in passing yards per game, passing touchdowns, and first down rate on passes. They also rank in the bottom 10 in team passer rating, completion percentage, and 20-yard plays. The only bright spot is the lack of interceptions, just six. But even that is just above average. Mm. There's no statistical category that says that Kenny Pickett should play another season, but I do agree with Rich, and what Rich outlined is exactly what I would do. I don't think that there's anything that Matt Canada brings, even even with the advances to the run game and whatnot, I, I don't think there's anything that Matt Canada brings that's so essential and important after this season that you want to keep him around and get rid of Kenny. And, and you know what I mean? The, 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 it's essential that Matt Canada stays. So let's let's clear him out. Let's see what Kenny does with a new offensive coordinator and a new scheme. And if that doesn't work out, then we cut our losses and we move on. But there's something in me that says that in a, in a Brock Purdy-like way, maybe, Kenny is a good enough game manager to take a team with this kind of defense and a, a, a positive running game, if that gets going, deep into the playoffs. There's something in me that feels like that's possible. And it might take everything going right for that to happen. You know, it might take the secondary not suffering from a ton of injuries and whatnot. But doesn't it feel like that's possible, the way that we win games? It does, but it just seems like a series of fortunate events why they've won all these games and not <laughs> actually deserved it. Yeah, but how long can we say that it's a series of fortunate events? I don't like It's been going on for years. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. It does feel like a series of fortunate events. Doesn't it feel like every Steelers game is just a roll of a dice? Like, I don't feel like anything that actually, any decisions that anyone makes matter. I just feel, <laughs> I just feel like we might as well sit down and flip a coin when the game starts. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, fellas, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, I got to run. No, well, we appreciate you joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah. Uh, oh, sure. Yes. Uh, hopefully, uh, next week I can I can cool. make an entire show. But uh, it's good being with you guys again. You guys have a good rest of the show and uh, uh, take care. I'll talk to you guys soon. You thanks, too. man. See you later, buddy. See you soon. Bye, bye. Thank you. Bye. Little crow on the way out for Rich. That. <laughs> Send Rich off with the Raven. No, no one wants that. <laughs> um, okay, right. So where should we go from here? Just the two of us for the rest of the show, Gav. Mm. Interesting no, dynamic. Two man show. The yeah. The yeah. Mm. Uh, let's move on to receiver. Let's run through the rest of this game real quick. So we've spoke a bit about the defense, but we'll go over it in a minute. Receiver. I thought. Uh, well, this kind of plays into what we've just been talking about. I think the most obvious way 
sorry, in which our scheme deficiencies are showing up is in how little production we're getting out of the receivers on a week-to-week basis, right? I mean, zero. all the passes bar none are being hit to the tight sideline, as we say, and there's very little opportunities for him to gain yak. But it's not, that's not DJ's game, right? It might exactly. be Pickens' game. He, you know, sometimes he'll come down with his foot inbound, sometimes out. But at least, at least he's there making those acrobatic catches. It's not DJ's game. He needs, he needs touch exactly. and depth it's, placement for his timing. So doesn't it feel that this passing game, again, whether you call it a scheme issue or a Kenny issue, is just not bringing out the best in our ball catches? No, and, and you've got a feel for Robinson. I mean, he's, he's out there blocking <laughs> two guys outside for Warren on that toss. I think Rich mentioned it. But... He looked great. And I was really trying to pay attention to that this week because you've mentioned it so many times. And it's true, mate. He's, he's looking like Pickens year one out there sometimes. Yeah, he's 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 tough out there, but he's just. I mean, he's he's rarely open, so maybe that's the case. But he he is the guy that would be benefiting from some of those middle crossing routes, but yeah. he just never gets seen. Him or Connor or Muth, if he was playing, they're all they're all in the desert. They might as well not bother running the routes. Same, yeah. And Calvin Austin obviously isn't getting any any rub really. Mm. Um, Pickens three catches for forty five yards. DJ after a big game last week, one catch, seventeen yards, and that's it. That's your receiver group. But the passing game is pretty much dead in this game. I mean, yeah. thank God the running game is working. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Sometimes if the running game works this well, then you know. So what if the passing game doesn't work? But I don't know. It would have been nice to build some momentum after last week, right? With DJ, would have been yeah. nice just to keep that clock ticking, and we'll see how it goes. And and it looks like we're going to have Muth back next week. So see if that yeah. makes a, a note. Let's hope so. My, one of my fantasy teams needs that. So. Hmm. Like <laughs> Tight end in fantasy this year, man. Should have, should have joined me on the Sam Laporta, uh, TJ Hawkinson. Okay, all right. Yeah, the adult and Kincaid right. train. Uh, right. Has Kincaid got going? Really? I know he scored a touchdown. Has Kincaid got going? Boy, scored I, a t- scored I, a I am si- I am sitting here in every single one of my because the tight ends is a position where I basically pick the same three players in it basically every league, and I'm like, who do I even start in these leagues anymore? Kincaid or Laporta? Because they're both so good. They are good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. Them. I'm just trying to rub it. All right, um, Washington. Uh, I want to really shout because I feel like he's not got enough pop um, because he's not, you know, he's not been making offensive plays and and, and catching the ball a great deal. Caught caught a ball in this part. He did, he did, and he was he was desperately running upfield with with his both of his arms out, batting people away, even though it only went for six yards. But but God bless him. Um, What what you are seeing is the impact he's making on rundowns and and lining up alongside the tackle. It can be hard to tell if there's just if there isn't just six linemen out there when you're looking mm. from the sideline view. I feel like we could be really built if Washington continues to develop to just run the damn ball out on everyone. That's my hope. Down the I just I just love to see him get a bit more of that Vance McDonald kind of get the ball out, you know, just a quick quick out and then he just rumbles downfield and runs over some people. Haven't that, seen it. That yet. would be nice. That would be really nice. Don't mm. you feel like Hayward's doing a little bit of that though? Yeah, Hayward is, yeah. You know, and it's not like we're doing a great amount of it anyway because the passing game's horrible and Muth's not in there. But but for what it's you know for for how much it's there, it feels like Haywood is doing a nice job. And you know, he has a nice little hurdle in this game for the first down um, on the sideline reception. He picks up thirteen on a third and fourteen screen yeah. pass, which was a decent <laughs> effort. Uh, they did opt to kick that, which was probably the right call at seventeen to make it seventeen seven two score game. I mean, it ended up being the right call because we might have lost it if we hadn't got that fourth and one. <laughs> right, yeah. I didn't, love, I didn't love that conservative, yeah, but maybe it was the right call in the end. Yeah. But it did feel some of the decisions here were... I'll tell you what I didn't like about that screen pass situation. They then, and I, I noticed this on a few things, it was the same with the Jalen um, uh, toss 
that, that Rich was talking about a minute ago. Mm. They ran that, obviously, a second time, and it did work, but only because of the individual effort of Jalen Warren. The scheme did not work. There was two defenders in the backfield ready to wipe him out. Same thing happened with this Hayward screen pass. It works once. It goes for 13 yards on a third and long. So what happens when they're in third and long again? Yeah, they do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. And he gets met by four players immediately as soon as he Didn't, gets the ball. Hasn't someone talked about this before? Was it Rich saying that... that- they just call the same. They just player. call the they, same plays. They yeah. don't. Um, they don't like layer them up, so they don't call a different play out of the same look to try and get any disguise. It's just oh, that worked. Uh, uh, it's like you know, it's like you're losing on Madden. You yeah. just keep going back to the same play because you had some success with it in the first half. That's not really a strategy. No, it's not. This is where the um, the other players calling out our plays before the play thing comes from, right? Because there's no. There's no magic. There's no mystique. It's just you know, same formation, same situation, probably same play. Yeah. Uh, if it worked, so I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I, I specifically noticed the Hayward one because of how good the first one was and how bad the second one was. But I might just keep an eye out for that in future. The most explosive jet sweep reception we've seen so far this season, I thought, and it was by Green Bay. So Matt can just have a look at that. The Wicks jet sweep play. Uh, he kind of um, disguised his break. Do you remember it? He sort of sweeped across and then kind of like arced around and described, dis- disguised his break as he as he sort of cut behind TJ and it went for 23 yards. I don't think, has have the Steelers under Matt Canada run a jet sweep that's gone for 23 yards? I'm not sure it has. Didn't we yeah. have one last week or am I making that up? Mm, possibly. It's, it was kind of a kind of, you know. Okay, hyper- sorry, it was a rhetorical point. question. Yeah, no, oh. not, it was a hyperbolic point. <laughs> I was just saying, you know, they won, they run one jet sweep and it's an absolute cracker and the Steelers yeah. seem to run them all the time and don't go anywhere. Yeah. However, I, I will say, I did think the play action under centre passing game was was better. You know, that was an improvement um, because there were, earlier on when we were moaning about Matt Canada, if, if uh, Kenny was under centre, then it was a run. So at least he's now starting to pass out of that look. Yeah. So that's something. And we saw the tush push. Is that the first time we've seen? The yeah, team? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad you brought that up. Actually, um, it didn't work, though, did it? It did, didn't it? I thought they got... did it. I think it, I thought it did. Oh, it did. Wait, it which? Did. What am I thinking of? We were on fourth and one at one point, and we didn't make it. Or maybe we we, we did. Oh, that was, that was a different. That was a different week. Wasn't my it? brain is. My brain is. Is it's, uh, right. it's, it's been a long time since this game occurred. <laughs> I thought the Steelers did make it. It probably did. Yeah, I think you're probably right. In my mind, I thought we'd. I thought we'd not made it. <laughs> No, that was last week when, the, or a couple of weeks ago, when Kenny was down on one knee, wasn't he trying to reach out and didn't get it? Right. But anyway, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe. Would you like to offer up a guess as to who were the highest and lowest players on the offense according to PFF this week? Well, I can't win or lose this because it's only me, so I can think of it. Well, I mean, you can uh, win and lose because the answer's <laughs> wrong or right. But... Yeah, but there's no one going to beat me. Uh, highest on offense? Well, you've got to think Warren's got to be up there. And low. Don't, don't be looking for me to make noises. Okay. <laughs> well, I've, I've made my guess, so you can tell me. Uh, no, no, see, that's what you're doing. You've not made your guess. You've you've, you've made a comment. All right, Warren. Warren, guess, Warren okay. is the highest. Warren is right. <laughs> um, who would be the lowest? I mean, the, 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 this is the thing. I mean, you've got to be involved to have a low uh, DJ, maybe? I don't, know. I don't want to say that. Hmm. <laughs> Mason Cole was having a good first half, but then was kind of not that great second half. Uh, I'll go with my intuition. I would go DJ. DJ. Okay. Jalen Warren is top. 
A 76? How you can give him a 76? I'd be giving him a 100. Yeah, what did he do wrong? Whatever. Uh, what do you need to do? It's kind of a weird chart on offense this week. <laughs> I feel like I say that a lot. Where there's four players uh, just miles and miles away, just totally alone in the top right-hand corner. Jalen Warren, James Daniels, who's who's right behind him, George Pickens uh, and Isaac Ciamolli mm. at the top four. Then there's just a massive gap and everyone else is below the 60 line. Uh, which I don't understand when it comes to Broderick Jones, who's got a 53. That's weird. Daniel Washington is last with about a 51. What's it? Technically, it's Washington. It's Washington is the answer, yeah. Um, Hmm. But to me, the most shocking one is Broderick Jones, at 54, the third lowest. Um, Weird. Don't see that at all. uh, Was there any penalties? I know know we've spoken about penalties dinging people before. Um, Not really. trying to think if he had a penalty in the game. No, I don't think so. Hmm. Well, it's not the worst PFF grade of the week. On defense, <laughs> who's the highest player on defense and who's the lowest? Mm-hmm. I really should think about this before we do the show. Uh, Benson had to be. I mean, he had a fantastic game, but they, they've still dinged him before when he's had good games. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Benson with a great game. Um, if it was special teams, I'd say Elijah Riley. Get back onto that. Uh, hmm. Now, I didn't like my, what much of what Pat P did, but he had a couple of impactful plays that probably save him from a bad grade. I can say Leal. I didn't think Leal had a good game at all. Leal only played uh, five snaps, and which was, probably doesn't help. No. But I, in, in a strange turn of events, the seven-snap Isaiah Loudermilk is the highest-rated player on this team. He had a solid game. Some really nice tackles. Uh, everything, every snap he was involved in, he made a massive impact. So, yeah, I was going to bring that up, actually. Solid, very solid game versus the run. Well, PFF has have recognized his seven snaps with an 86 grade. Uh, TJ Watt of the players that played a, a reasonable amount was the highest, uh, an 81. Then Pat Pete, 75. Highsmith, 72. Mm. Now, here's where the, the the craziest thing of the week comes in. The actual two lowest players on the list are Keanu Neal and Demonte KZ, who both share a 45. Mm-hmm. Well, I can understand that with Neil. He, he was he was who was alluding to that got caught with his eyes in the backfield, let Wicks curl his route behind him, uh, and was kind of didn't really do much for the pick. He was just kind of Johnny on the just spot. Just was there, yeah. And KZ uh, obviously gets his grade knocked for wiping out the special teams coordinator on the side of the. Of the <laughs> uh, oh, right. So you're not going to like this, Kev, because it's a it's a creative bit rather than an analytical one. But here's what I want you to do. That that how long did that return take from him catching the interception and running to the sideline? Like ten seconds. Seven, yeah, five. Five seconds. Okay, five. I like five. I like that. Five seconds. We, you're going to spend five seconds tell it like inside the brain of Demonte Casey. What what was running through his brain from the moment he caught that to the moment he charges into Danny Smith? <laughs> he, didn't he, he get pushed? Get pushed but why I'm was sure he, he running pushed. towards him in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh my god, I got the ball. Okay, what, what can I do? But wait, I can end the game here. Should I go down? No, I'll just keep going. I'll get some yards. I'll stack up my contract. Wait, what's that? The guy's coming for me. What? Ah, that's what happened. There you go. You nailed it. <laughs> Bravo. Well, can't believe I got you on board for that. Um, Danny Smith suffered a, a torn rotator cuff. I know. That's a quarterback injury. You didn't hear about that injury. Apart from, you know, I, I, dude, I was legit scared. I'm watching him. I'm watching him run towards the sideline. I'm screaming, get down, get down. And then I, down. See, I see him looking like, <laughs> I, I see like Danny Smith's like head because he's so recognizable on the sideline. 
just out the corner of my eye, and I'm like, oh no. Like all in one second, I'm like, oh no, he's running straight forward. <laughs> <laughs> Like he did get pushed, motion. didn't he? That's what. That's why the whole fight. He did. Started. He did get pushed. Yeah, but and, that, and that's why uh, Boswell got involved, wade, wading in, pushing men in pads around with. His yeah, that was. Funny. Yeah, he looked that like video... a he looked like a redneck at a bar fight. <laughs> <laughs> that video you sent me was really fascinating because because you, you could basically just pick any player on on in that screen and just kind of watch how they naturally like rotate around the brawl circle. You know, like just, yeah. just random things occurring in the in the brawl that force them to move left, right, and how they get involved with different people. It's so fun. Um, and yeah, as you say, Chris Boswell was... Let <laughs> 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 the boys be boys. Yeah, I was sat there, Chloe was eating a, a tea at the table as this was going on, and I was like, Chloe, Chloe, brawl! <laughs> yeah, I, I, I replayed that multiple times watching various people and then spotted Boswell <laughs> and uh, filmed that and tweeted it out, and then, then some other account with loads of followers did it as well, and they got loads of likes from... I was a bit annoyed about that. I was like, that's my material. Oh, I found. stealing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I buried the lead. It was not Neil and KZ that I was so perturbed by. It was the rating of Keanu Benton, who is the third lowest PFF rating this week, at a 47, wow. what the, what it looks the... like. 46, 47. Unbelievable. I, this has caused a lot of consternation on Twitter this week. I cannot begin to explain where that grade comes from. Those grades mean nothing to me. Ketz even tweeted Sam Monson and said, can you explain this one? <laughs> um, and th- this comes down to my frustration with PFF, right? Whenever you try and get in these conversations with PFF, as we did, if you go back and listen to this, the episode where Sam Monson joined us, it- it's always about the-, the 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 grand scale, right? And the the scoring on the whole and the evening out over the season and the blah, blah, blah. They can never sit down, seemingly, and point at one guy's performance in one game and explain why a performance where... Keanu Benton seemingly takes over the game at D-line. Uh, and he finishes on a 46 PFF frame. The, the only thing I can think of is, is it something to do with the way that we watch tape versus the way they watch tape? Probably. So, I mean, we, we have limited time. It's not our job, right? We, you know, this is a, a hobby for us. I watch through the All-22 and, you know, I'll, I'll watch each play from each angle and watch it a few times and I'll try and watch... But there's times where you your eye is drawn to what's happening on the ball, and sure. is it are they just so focused on? Like he said, it was a position you you, you grade position groups, right? So you do the D line for various teams. Are they, are they are they seeing them lose when they're away from the ball, where they're completely yeah. not impacting the play, and and when you're when you're watching back from a sort of Steelers whole defense orientated position. You're kind of watching the players around the ball, even even when you're watching back. You you kind of have to focus on that just because of time. You can't watch every single player on every single play, otherwise it'll take you three years to go through every game. Maybe, maybe there's some of that, but I don't think the plays off the ball should impact the grade as much as the, the plays where it does impact the game. And he had a massive impact on the game. You got. Um, Baldy out there sending out videos about oh yeah the Steelers have got a nose tackle here and what he's a, he's a, a, a classic nose for a modern era so athletic can stack and shed I mean he's, the the guy what is it I got it here he, he three stack and shed plays Dylan first quarter uh, Aaron Jones third quarter and Dylan again fourth quarter um, three awesome stack and shed plays that if we were doing our draft evaluation you, you go this guy's incredible at stacking and shedding right he did that in one game mm-hmm. did the swap did 
the agility when he was pushed by a double team and somehow managed to contort his body on the floor to make the tackle in the second quarter, the double swim move penetration that got TJ his sack, the hustle and pursuit to get behind, you know, pursued Jones from the line as he was escaping from Roberts. And that was after a, a sweet swim move. I, I, I didn't see anything negative that Benton did, so I don't know where the hell they got that great from. The only thing I can think is there was a lot of plays there I don't even know necessarily off the top of my head if these were plays that Benton was even on the field for, but I'm just throwing out ideas where Love had a lot of time in the pocket to throw, right? And it felt Mm -hmm. like things were very, very calm for him and he had a lot of space. But to me, if that is where some of it comes from, you know, these plays where Benton doesn't have an impact and he maybe loses his reps. I mean, Benton, as as a defensive tackle goes, correct me if I'm wrong, but he feels more like a sniper rifle than a bazooka, right? I mean... He's a guy who you can you can set. I don't think he's going to take over. What well, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think he's going to dominate the line of scrimmage in an Aaron Donald type way every down. I just show me show me the player in the NFL is. that does. I well, mean, team, right, exactly right. That's team Day's I mean. one of the best rushers in the league, but there's plenty of plays where sure. he's nullified. Yeah, you're totally right. The, yeah, yeah, that's just right. that's just the position. That's just the you can't win every. You can't you can't get a sack on every rep. Yeah, but you, you can't know, even get a pressure. You can't get a pressure on everybody. You're going to get yeah. beat. You're going to get double teamed or you're going to go up against a guy that just nullifies you. What about in the run game? I mean, is there, is there some glaring hole I'm not seeing in the run in his run? Well, that's where the stacking and the shedding it. comes in. That's where yeah. that's where he's making his, his hay in this game. I mean, six, yeah, six tackles, two QB hits, pass breakup. He, to me, I mean, from what I saw of him, he was, he was constantly causing pressure up the middle. Yeah, but as you say, was, his ability to yeah. his yeah, that's what I'm saying. His ability to get off blocks is his, is his greatest asset. So he, I don't know. I I can't make sense of it. And he's improved his weakest thing, which is is he was getting in college. He was getting he was driven getting back, back by double yeah. teams, and he's not. He isn't anymore. It's getting less and less that. Well, he's doing things which negates the double team. He's getting off the blocks rather than just fighting and losing. Hmm. Don't understand that one. We'll see. We'll see how we because that's two weeks in a row now that Benton's had a weird low grade. Let's keep an eye on it next week. Uh, TJ and Highsmith, uh, not, well, just I won't, won't talk much about Golden and Herbig, but only five and two snaps for those two, respectively, in this game. So really, it was just a Highsmith-TJ effort outside linebacker. Yeah. Um, TJ obviously gets the, the the sack. I've kind of labelled it a bit of an effort sack because he goes all the way around the pocket. I think he has uh, Benton and Watts to, to thank for that one. Yeah, um, I think it was Benton. I, mean, I totally think it was Benton. Well, let's give what some credit. The both of oh, those no, dudes are surging gets... up the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, TJ gets round like he does. Yeah, but if he uh, Love wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Benton causing that pressure. Yeah, he would have. He would have stepped. They up basically, yeah, they basically push him straight back into the hands. Well, he's TJ. got no way to escape to. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, seven tackles for TJ, your tackle leader on the team. You you love that from your your. T- well, tackle yeah. leader being up front, not not your safety or something. Yeah, that's rare. And it, uh, yeah, nice backside pursuit. Uh, yeah. and, and that goes yeah, to yeah. show. Yeah, not, not seeing that. Sorry, go. Just saying the backside pursuit from TJ. That was, uh, you know, he he sort of morphs TJ from one season to the next. Remember about two or three years ago, he was Mister Backside Pursuit every game. He was yeah. flying around yeah. with his arms spread, or and then he turned into like Mister <laughs> Uppercut punching the ball out. So it's nice to see backside pursuit TJ again, rather than just pure edge rusher kicking in the door all the time. <laughs> um, that that's testament. Him getting so many tackles, I think, is testament to to the run defense in this game. I mean, one long run by AJ Dillon, notwithstanding, Aaron Jones was held for thirty five yards on thirteen carries. 
and Dylan to 30 on the other 12 carries outside of that, that long run, which which I know counts, but also a lot of that came from a whiff tackle by Casey. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I, that's great. But let's, let's stick to that. I mean, that's a solid, maybe not a, an awesome O-line in its current construction with a few injuries, but that's one of the better O-lines in the league going into the season, at least, and a couple of good running backs there. And very solid performance on the day from the D-line. Um, Cam didn't leap out to me in this one, but... um. He seemed to hold his spot on the day. Anything, anyone else on the D-line that sort of really... Yeah, Cam doesn't seem to be playing with the, the level of intensity that you... Well, he was, he, was on a, he was on a snap. Um, yeah, Cam but well. even, even so, doesn't look yeah, back he's not to all, full all Cam. He's, yeah. Let's hope we get full Cam back, because I don't like seeing him half-hearted. doesn't see him. Um, but he did, he did get in Love's face to force a throwaway in the scramble drill on the third quarter. That was his best player of the game. But... Yeah, just just his level of intensity wasn't. He wasn't finishing blocks and driving through people and dominating. So I'm sure it's just him coming back. Old guys, it takes longer to recover. I can testament. Oh, I feel you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Leo. I, I thought Leo had a bad game, man. I, just the uh, <clears throat> you needed the second effort there to get to love uh, uh, on that first quarter play where he uh, love was kind of just stood there for for ages and it went for 23 yards and Leao had kind of, he just didn't finish. He got, he kind of got through to the backfield, but then just didn't click that the play was still alive. And, you know, that's, that's, that's got to be awareness. I'm sure that's something that will get brought up in the meeting room because it, it was a, it was an ugly looking play and he got blown off the edge too easy. And, um, him and he got one on one on the, on a guy, but quit. Again, before I so said, I'm not sure about layout at the moment. He's on my watch list. He's never been able to finish. That's all, that's always been his problem. Mm. He's, I remember speaking about that last year, and now he's down to five snaps in this game. It really feels like the layout and um, well, I mean, you say Ladbroke had a great game in this one. I, I don't know, but I don't know. It feels like both of those players are kind of on the. Are they really going to ever make an impact on this Leal team? was a third round pick. Am I not right? Yeah, yeah, he was. That's. It's, and it was the third round pick that me, I was in Ketz's living room for, and we were not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> he was like a tweener guy, right? At the time, we weren't really sure what our plan was with him, and it feels like the Steelers weren't sure either, and never happened. No. He doesn't He doesn't feel like a third round pick on the team. No. No. Um, there's been worse ones, though. Uh, okay. Hi, Smith. No sacks in this one, but he was uh, attracting a lot of attention over there, which is complimentary in itself. Mm. Uh, still generated some pressures, ended the game with three tackles and a QB hit and a batted pass. Should have had a sack as well, um, but it was thrown away last minute by Love. The one at the end of the game, that was key. Yeah. Third, and, third and two, 22 seconds on the clock, inside spin move. Oh, filthy spin move. Yeah, forced, forced to throw away, what a key play. Also had a pass breakup out in the flat in that fourth quarter as well on mm. Dylan, which is nice to see. I must admit, when it gets to the end of the season, we start thinking about uh, Steelers awards and we start talking about who's the team MVP uh, I'm going to be very I'm going to be very conflicted between like a Highsmith and a Warren right now hmm. that's just where I am yeah he's doing it consistently isn't he yeah nice. uh, we spoke a bit about uh, inside linebacker so we won't take up too much time uh, on it uh, oh I just wanted to mention I'm, I'm going to try and start doing this uh, as we go through the seasons because these sometimes get lost as we do game reviews um, just the back end of the roster shuffling that goes on we oh, yeah. waved for Hoko and then added him back to the practice squad. Mm. So there you go. There's Braden for Hoko, everyone. <laughs> Gone and then back. 
Uh, and we mentioned the middle linebackers that we signed. Obviously, Tyler Murray. We got Michael Walter and uh, Walker and Tariq Carpenter on the practice squad mm-hmm. as it is. Uh, Robert stepped up obviously as a linebacker one suddenly in in what I thought was a great game for him. Eight tackles, uh, tackle for loss, great speed to catch up and tackle uh, Jones to stop a touchdown. I thought. Yeah, the thing to the outside. Yeah. I mean, that was going. That was gone. Yeah. From the far hash as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he ran was, all the way. Way away, yeah. When you talk about sideline to sideline linebackers, that, that, there you go. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Uh, and he slowed him down on the next screen pass as well, the, literally the next play. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he was in and around the ball a lot, mm. uh, as he has been all season. He's in, he, he's had a great year, I think. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens now as he's going to have to step up and be kind of the leader of that room. You've got a feel for him on that when Musgrave went for 28 yards in the fourth quarter. When he was playing Dimebacker, I mean that's Quan's role. That's the problem. Yeah, he got yeah. burnt. You know, he's not he's not the guy you want carrying a tight end all the way down the field. And it did look. I don't know what you thought. I don't know if you remember this play, but it looked like a mix up between him and Robinson, both kind of blitzed on a different play and left Dobbs uncovered, who went for twenty yards. And it looked uh, he when when Dobbs was down, Casey touched him down. It looked like KZ went to go and like admonish someone, like, mm, yeah, yeah, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah. What are you doing? And Roberts came Ran over and, yeah. and kind of went, calm down. It, it, it was like gently, like, mm, so we relax, could, relax, yeah. guy. Next yeah. play, yeah. relax, guy. And uh, I wondered if it was him covering for Robinson, and Robinson shouldn't mm. have. One of them should have carried. Dobbs and I think it the, the body language told me it wasn't. I, I must have got the number wrong on that because I had that. I know the exact play you're talking about. I thought that was Elijah Riley who was chasing him back up the field. Maybe I, guess, I must have written the, run, the number down wrong. Um, so I don't know which one of it was, which one right. of it was, because in my mind I thought it was like because I know what you're talking about. It, there's one guy trailing him, and then there's there's two deep safeties, right? And obviously they're just too far away to get back to the middle of the field. No, that's a different play. Oh, okay, right. That, that's no, no, this was about. both linebackers tried saw they had a shot at Jordan Love, so they both one after the other both right. blitzed okay. in, and and Dobbs was in the slot, and he just had an absolute total free release. Oh, and, sorry, I thought you were talking about the Musgrave catch. Right, I'm with you. No, no, no. Yeah, it was Dobbs for twenty yards. Okay, and um, and he sort of curled his route in front of KZ, and KZ tackled, touched him down, and was just like, "What are you doing?" I do remember that interaction, yeah, but I was yeah. just added it to the wrong play. There was a few mix-ups. That was the other mix-up, yeah. Let me see if I think I've got some. A lot of mix-ups on this show. Yeah. You can see how it happens on an NFL defense that's lacking it all of the people yeah. that normally coordinate it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it must be tough for the defense in terms of alignment. I mean, you've got – so you've got, think about it, right? You've got Minker out, who's normally the head of that defense. You had Holcomb out, who was the green dot wearer. Then Quan takes over, he goes out. Mm. I mean – there's probably some leeway you got to give here. That's just like, oh yeah, absolutely. See why they, did, they did a fantastic job to get through this game without. Yeah. But it did show. I mean, all those deep passes. That's something that the Steelers have did struggle with a little while ago. Explosive plays, and they've yeah. kind of ironed it out. But it was back with a vengeance. It, it's going to come back though. I think when you've got the secondary play that we've got with you know Pat Pete, who you know credit to Pat Pete for coming up with the big plays that he did. You see that veteran savvy, and I thought the. The coverage for the pick that he, that he bats down was was elite, but yeah. he has equally a lot of plays where he just looks out of position, a touch slow. Um, I, I just think there's major concern now with injuries, right? With Minker not out there, and then with the linebackers being Robertson, Robertson. I just don't know how you're going to. Levi Wallace didn't have a great game. I, I, I don't know how you're going to stick with this. See, I've got I've got written in um in in Pat P's notes 
mix up with Riley, nobody carried Musgrave for thirty six yards. So I think yes, that's okay. the player you're talking about. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, Riley's yeah, yeah. Riley's going down. I didn't I didn't know Pat Pete was involved in that. Was he what was he doing on that play? Um don't know. I think that was the I don't know. But okay, basically what happens right. is um Musgrave sprints up the seams. This is late, I think, sprints up the seam and uh, I think Riley's maybe yeah, been carrying him in the middle of the field, but should really pass him off to the deep safeties, but just because of the position of him and Riley's a step slow on it and the two deep safeties are obviously both further out towards the sideline and can't get mm. to the middle to clean it up in time. So yeah, goes for a big game. But uh, I actually thought Riley had a, a solid game really overall on this. Um, Definitely on defense was was shocking on special teams. Right, you mentioned that. What uh, what, what was it, going on on special? Whiffed teams? on a tackle. Was that third, the big return in the second quarter? Yeah, third, third quarter. quarter yeah, third quarter whiffed on that. Cost twenty seven yards. Pierre makes a tackle, and then Pierre covered covered his ass again, but actually earlier on the first quarter when. Um, Riley couldn't get off his block, so I just if I'm the special teams guy, I'm like I've seen enough. Two two whiffs on a on a special teams coverage, you're out. Sorry. Yeah, dangerous play for a guy uh, where he is on the roster, right? Um, but equally nice, uh, nice little slot blitz there that, that did, he didn't actually get home, but he completely ended the play. And John Love had to just get rid of the ball. And... Mm. It was too fast for the lineman as well. Though. It wasn't it wasn't unblocked. The guy tried to block him, right? But he was just too quick. Mm-hmm. So that was a good play. And that's uh, that was the third down. So that was pretty key. Uh, played twenty one snaps in this after last week when we were moaning that we had no notes about him. Yeah. <laughs> so also, also, he carried the tight end. I don't know which one it was, Kraft or Musgrave. Couldn't tell. Uh, in the third quarter, took him away, forced throw away. So, so he's doing some nice things on 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 the defense, just not special teams. Yeah. I don't know what suddenly um, caused him to have an uptick in snaps. Uh, well, I think it's probably because they moved Neil down. <clears throat> playing Neil a bit more in the box, so suddenly mm. Riley was in a bit yeah. more in like nickel situations. What do you make of Wallace? I, I, I've seen complaints that he was the corner in coverage in both of the first half touchdowns. I, I think you can debate the blame for the Reed one because I think that was a little bit on Neil. Yeah, um, definitely the second one. Wicks got away from him, lack of pace. Yeah, but he's never been a pacey guy. No, well, I said that when he came in. Um, it was that was my concern that we were going to have two really slow mm. outside corners. Yeah, I mean, it looks to me like Pat P needs more of a of a cushion than Levi does. I just, I just don't get, I don't get the consistency of why they're playing Patrick Peterson. But I know he's the kind of wins this game for us, though. I know, but. <laughs> I just see the lack of agility. Yeah. Gave up that route that would have been an easy touchdown if you know Love. The first quarter basically, Pat P was burned and it was a touchdown. But Love was on a half field read, looked elsewhere, didn't go there. But I mean, there's, there's, he did do some nice things. He covered Watson in man well up the sideline. Third quarter took him out of the game, but he actually looked okay playing safety coming downhill end of the third quarter. So there's little things he does, but it's just just that lack of agility, just his killer. And I don't think you can have Pat P and Levi on the same team, on the no. same field. That's the problem. You can have room for one of these guys and you know, kind of carry them a little bit. But you need people that can actually turn and sprint and move. Neither of them can. What do you make of JPJ in this game? Um, Sounds like a building game. I, I specifically love the tackle on Reed five yards in the backfield where he absolutely hit him like a dump mm. truck. Um, He's generally doing pretty good work out there, taking taking Watson out and other other guys out. Uh, I guess I guess the most impactful play was the DPI call in the second quarter, but that felt kind of ticky tacky. It was like again, yeah. five 
five and a quarter yards that he was touching for when it, you know. I think we're just going to have to live with those. We're going to get those. We hopefully clean them up as much as possible. But the way that he plays the game, I just think you're going to get them. And you just yeah. hope they don't come in the worst spots, you know. And I was surprised on that early one where he looked like he'd done the pass breakup and he actually didn't. That that I thought that was his wheelhouse, you know, where mm. he's he's trading a guy and can 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 leap and get in front of the ball and break it up. Well, he missed that one, but you know that's that it that is what he's great at, and it was just one that got away from him. Uh, as I say, I, I thought Neil actually goes out of this game injured right in the final sort of on the return right after the yeah. pick. He injured himself on the return, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. It sounds like he might end up missing the next game, but um, that's the last thing they need. As I say, I I didn't think that. Either Neil or KZ covered themselves in glory in this game necessarily. Um, I mentioned obviously KZ's tackling continues to concern me. Um, another just for me with KZ, he's the guy on the team that just has the most outlandish pursuit angles. Where I'm just like, sometimes I watch a replay of a play and I'm just like, what? What was he doing? Like, where did he, is he blind? Did he think the guy was in a different spot? As he just, <laughs> you know, what I mean, he just like seems to run like five meters to the left of a guy sometimes, then stop and go, oh no, he's ran past me. Yeah. Um, which I like is an issue that. I had playing for the York Centurions against the Bradford <laughs> Bears on, a, on, a, on an awful kick return. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I like Kate Lee, though. I think he's, you know, maybe not your sort of headline starter, but I think as a sort of second deep deep safety, he's great. You know, e- equally, though, he's fun to watch sometimes. I mean, like, there was a there was a run stop on um, Aaron Jones where he comes down in the second mm. quarter and he, like, he, like, I don't know, Aaron Jones hits him and it's like he's hit a brick wall in a car going 70 miles an hour. It was great. Really Casey was just like a stone. <laughs> I did. I, did you mention it? Like for the touchdown, I, I think it was him out of position. I don't know why he gave up the. Which touchdown is this? The first one. The first one. He moved. He. It was. There were like three players around two Green Bay players. So, two on three heading into the corner. There's no way that should have been a touchdown. Was that not Neil? I thought that was Keanu Neil. I thought it was KZ moved moved. Around to try and take away the middle. I don't know what. Oh, he was I doing. see what you mean. Right. Okay. I'm just purely talking about the. Uh... Yeah, so he you, wasn't. You really... think it was Casey's responsibility. In the I think game? it was Casey's responsibility to stay there and keep the box around the, the two players. Instead, he kind of panicked about summoning the middle. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, he's just trying to cover everything. Yeah. That's what he's trying to do. But sometimes you just got to take away the player that's right there in front of you. And if he had, that wouldn't have been a touchdown. That play was just a bit of a mess. I mean, he ended up way too open in the corner of that end zone. And... Exactly, because KZ moved. He had perfect position. He's literally, but he's thinking, why am I in the corner? I'm the, I'm the center field. I should be in the middle. So he kind of moved mm-hmm. out, and then the other guy ran where he was and caught the touchdown. Right, okay. Because I know, what, obviously, Wallace was in coverage on him, and then he kind of hands it off to Neil, and then he's just like, it was just a mess of coverage between all three of them, it sounds like. Yeah. It's an unfamiliarity, right? It's yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That, you know, um, it's not Minka. Hopefully, Minka's back this week, and we can we can move on. Although, then again, would it hurt the most if he just took this week out against the Browns? I'm kind of worried they're going to target him. Well, it would if it's T- Trenton Thompson out there. <sighs> yeah, well, fair oh, enough. Good. Uh, special teams, obviously, you mentioned the coverage unit. Uh, this Nixon fellow for the Packers though, is supposed to be one of the best kick returns in the league. So he didn't do a squat, did he? Well, I mean, 28 yards per return, no, 49 yards mixed in. You know, better than your average Joe. Balls again, perfect. Three for three on field goals. And shout out to Presley Harvin. Three Finally. points inside the 20, longer 56, the, average of 44.8. The one out of bounds was lovely, wasn't it? That was the one. Yeah. Presley Harvin becoming one of the... Uh, you know, if we made a sexy calendar of this team, I reckon <laughs> I'd give an entire month to Presley Harvin at this point. Well, yeah, but the thing is, he only had to punt three times, right? 
And they were good. It's when he has to punt. Wait, like, did he only have to punt three sides? Because he has three inside the 20. I have that written down. But was there none that were outside? Yeah, I, I thought he only punted three times. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'll take your word for it. But anyway. Well, no, that is the, basically the point. Is that in, in a three-game, in a three-punt window, he looks great. In a six-punt window, he's got a howler in there. And that's the problem. <laughs> we didn't have a howler in this game. So I won't, I won't hear it. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's the game. Twenty, bloody hell, I forgot the score already. What's going to end? Twenty-three nineteen. I had it right next to me. Um, and the Steelers roll to six and three with uh, man. This could we could be rocking up the old the old nine win season before uh, before the end of December. Before the Ravens game at the end of the year. Like <laughs> uh, all right, let's have a look at some of the other games that went down this week. Uh, in oh, to go in order, Bears do just enough. To defeat the uh, the reeling Panthers, I got that one wrong in the Gridiron Sevens. I'm afraid. You, I, you picked the Panthers. I took the Panthers. I, I was I don't know what it was. This was a hard week, and I was trying to get cute with it on Thursday. I, I think I was looking for cute. some instant gratification because it was mm. happening within the next few hours. <laughs> I was Possibly. wrong. Panthers bite, man. There's no uh, Bryce Young is just. Nah, I feel sorry for the guy. It's, it's, it's hard viewing. It's X-ray. I don't know what I'm seeing out of Bryce Young. What I'm seeing out of Bryce Young is not what we saw when we watched him for no. the for, for the QB episode. It's not the same player. I don't know what's going on. Well, in college, he was a playmaker, and he's not being afforded no. the opportunity to make plays yeah. for various reasons, and he's just making mistakes. Unfortunately, you're uh, seeing a confident. You're seeing a guy's confidence get shattered week on week, week after week. Yeah, and if. I've got real issues, man, with uh, Patrick Claiborne and his like momentum doesn't exist. What? I'm so with you on that. I'm so glad you said that. Every time this argument comes up, if, if, if anyone doesn't know, on the Around the NFL podcast, Patrick Claiborne, regular guest, comes on and one of his key arguments is that momentum doesn't exist. It's nonsense. It's garbage. Of course Can you imagine does. you make a mistake in front of sixty to 70,000 people? How's that going to affect you? It's going to make you, at least, it's going to affect you mentally and emotionally and it's going to impact the next play right i don't I don't know how it's going to affect you how it affects you is what your makeup as a player now times that by 11 that's 11 people on the field right so you make a good play that's 11 people with confidence you make a bad play that's 11 people feeling a bit sheepish that is momentum that is the team momentum right so how he can sit there? Has the guy never played sport? Has the guy never done anything <laughs> in front of an audience or a crowd where you feel you feel the people looking yeah. at you and judging you? I, I mean, felt momentum, I feel like. Yeah, I've, absolutely. I mean, look at uh, CJ Stroud this week. Like, he threw a pick, and you could see him looking sheepish. I mean, he came back, right? And you can overcome it, and you know. But that that's part of it. That's how you react to making a mistake is, do you wilt or do you like try, well, I'm going to prove it wrong. I'm going to do better. That's that's bounce back ability. That's that's the makeup of a player. But as a team, that's that's momentum. So how he can say that is just nuts. And I, I can't actually take anything he says seriously <laughs> because of, because of that because of that take he's got. I think he likes just kind of like I don't know. I don't even know what the word for it is, but just being a little bit like too smart for his own good on these things. And I think what he's saying is not really that momentum doesn't exist, but that other things can be uh, accounted for. That result in the effect that we call momentum. I don't know. I think his, I think his, his is argument, what his real argument is. But his argument is well, these guys are professional players. And yeah, each player is a play. I'm sorry, one play leads on to the next. It exactly. has to. They're, they're human beings. How he can continue to deny it exists 
<laughs> amongst waves and waves of evidence. When, 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 when we're watching a game played by robots with, controlled by AI coaches, fine. No momentum. <laughs> I get that. But there's human beings out there and they're emotional people with feelings and that feeds into like, that's what makes people clutch or not clutch. And yeah, all those things. It's a ridiculous argument. Anyway, we'll come back to that. <laughs> we could have a whole momentum debate maybe in the offseason. Uh, maybe the most interesting game last week and not for what happened on the field um, occurred in Frankfurt, Germany, where Matt Jones sunk the Bill Belichick era, it seems like, after a hilarious ending to the 10-7 loss to the Colts in Frankfurt. Oh, you know what my big fear here is? That they get Caleb Williams. In oh, no! Can you imagine <laughs> another, like, 15 years of, of Patriots dominance? <laughs> no, I don't want that. Oh, I don't know. I don't need Listen, that. I know everyone's saying this now, uh, but didn't everyone say this about Bryce Young? And I, I, this is, listen, everyone's like, oh yeah, but Caleb Williams is totally different to Bryce Young. Caleb Williams is a once in a generation talent. Well, we said that about Trevor Lawrence. I just feel like we go round and round in circles with this. I mean, I'll wait until he starts playing and he looks like CJ Stroud. <laughs> sure. I don't know. But I hear what you're saying. That is scary as, as a thought. Uh, Texans, um, dec- oh wait, we didn't even talk about what was funny about it. That final drive, where he puts uh, Bailey Zappi in, a quarterback who he caught a few months ago. <laughs> no zip from Zappi. In place of his first round pick, and then and then calls a fake spike, which he which was one of the least, um, which you know has a special place in my heart, obviously because of Ben. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of the it's one of the worst fake spikes you've ever seen. The defense just nonplussed at all, just in yeah. regular coverage, and then he just tosses it up. <laughs> oh, I was dying. That that was the moment where I was like, okay, it was worth all those years of pain with the Patriots just for this. This this was this was fun. Uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't judge from uh, Belichick's press conference how he really felt. Could you? Because he's so monotone. But you've got to think he's got to be dying inside. Right? Yeah, I mean, he's sick of it. Yeah, he's done. He he moves on this year. I think whether he retires or whether he goes somewhere else. The Chargers are apparently the favourites. If he wants another job, wow! Well, they need—they they need some bloody help. I mean, yeah, Chargers are screwed too. He's, apparently, he thinks the offense is ready set up, and he likes the beach. <laughs> Chargers are basically the Steelers' ying to the yang, right? They're the yeah. opposite. They're a great offense. Great offense, but can't win. win. <laughs> they collapse in the third, in the fourth quarter. Oh man, man! They need—they need, offer them a trade, Herbert, for uh, for, for Kenny Pickett, yeah. <laughs> You've got a guy um, here that can win you some games. Do you want to take it? <laughs> Texans declare themselves, I think, as contenders as they win a heartstopper versus Cincinnati, which was very much appreciated by me, 30-27. to 27. Oh, they've got to be. Um, They're back. The Texans are back. Why? Were they ever here? I mean, uh, they were with JJ, I suppose, but they're, they're alive, aren't they? They're a real team. Yeah. I, I don't really remember a team turning it around this quick. I know, obviously, there was a lot of years in the doldrums, but it feels like they didn't actually do anything towards the rebuild until this offseason, right? Well, they did. They did. They had that year where they signed everybody for like they signed every kind of middle class player. Yeah, under the under that, who was that? Like boring accountant type, Nick? No, not Nick Casteria. Yeah, that guy, the old guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know you mean um, uh, whatever his name was. Yeah, the weird. And actually, you know that 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 can turn out to be a savvy move when you end up with two first round picks and a. They make the, I mean, they lucked into CJ Stroud. Who knows if they'd have taken Bryce Young? But they, uh, you know, they've ended up with a franchise quarterback and a fairly decent roster. So fair play to them. Yeah, good for them. Quite well, yeah. They deserve it. And uh, the real loser in all this is is Frank Reich, who who wanted 
CJ Stroud <laughs> and was forced to take Bryce Young by yeah. a, a, an owner in David Tepper that's only been there a few years. Former Steelers owner. Yeah, partial owner, yeah. Mm. Um, and he, he, he quickly outing himself as uh, one of the worst owners in the league. <laughs> Has he? What, what, what's what? Because of that? or Because he continues to interfere in things he shouldn't be meddling with and it's created the worst. Yeah, but the people, thought, people have thought that about Jerry Jones for years and then suddenly they've realised actually Jezza knows what he's doing. Not saying that Does Jezza know what he's doing? I'm still yeah. not convinced. I feel like people around him might know what he's doing and they desperately try to counteract the Maybe. impact of him. I don't know. Uh, um, I, don't, I, I literally remember on that draft coverage going, should I should I put CJ Stroud number one because I really believe it but am I going to be an idiot man I, this is what I was saying to you like, like a few weeks ago next season I think we've really got to back our takes because it felt like a lot mm. of them were right this year we we I don't know what's the word like softened them a little bit because we were a little bit you know like I think about like the Will Anderson was the strongest one we had right which turns yeah. out to kind of be <laughs> bad does but, it? I mean, he's not done that much, has he? Yeah, it seems like he's... he's been okay. Well, I guess you're right, yeah. I mean, he's kind of what we expected him to be, but we'll, it's only his rookie year, we'll see. Um, but yeah, we got to back some of these takes a little bit stronger, like you did with the Purdy one, right? Because look how that turned out. Mm. You know? If you're wrong, yeah, you're wrong, but some of them... Then I also backed Jared Pinkney to be a great tight end. Look at that. <laughs> what was the name of the tight end I was big into? The, the... Uh, Thaddeus Moss. Thaddeus Moss. Mm. Still can't believe it didn't work out for Thaddeus. <laughs> <laughs> right, Josh Dobbs does it again versus the Saints, 27-19. Unbelievable. Wasn't sure I saw a, a follow-up coming. The Saints, I do think, are in the basket of deplorables. But still, Josh Dobbs, absolutely loving what I'm seeing out of him. I've picked him up in uh, a non-dynasty, fa- super, non-superflex, non-dynasty fantasy league. Wow, yeah, top 10 quarterback then. So, yeah, exactly. In your mind. Wow. Well, it was that. I start Brock Purdy or Will Levis again, so I was like, screw it. It's got to be Purdy. I mean, uh, is it an illusion? The guy can clearly run the ball and make some plays. I don't think he's going to win the Super Bowl, but he's definitely going to win games that um, Aiden O'Connell or Clayton Toon or whoever, mm. you know, put in rookie QB here that team is replacing their QB with. The dude win. can freestyle, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. And he's fun. He's the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the NFL right now, right? Let's just Let's just enjoy that ride. God knows there's precious enough thing to enjoy in this league right now. Isn't he, is he like his uh, metrics are saying like he's the best running quarterback this yeah, year? Yeah, And the Steelers had him on the damn roster with a quarterback that couldn't move and they didn't use him. <laughs> what the hell? You, you kept saying it all that season. You were saying it. I know. Uh, nine I hate being tr- right and not it not other it not, people not, it not benefiting you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Niners dropped the Jags thirty-four-three. Now both of these teams are now six and three, along with the Steelers. So I thought this was an interesting measuring stick game. I think the Jags are frauds. I'm well, no, <clears throat> lots of people are picking the Jags. They won quite a few games. They obviously had the double uh, international series wins. Surely, just a down week for them. I think the Jags that. are a, are a slightly above average team with what is right now what well a slightly above average quarterback. But that's you know bearing in mind that a lot of the quarterbacks right now are trash. Uh. On a decent offense with a decent defense, but I even when we played them, I failed to see where they were really special. And well, they've got a good running back, and I think that their their receiver core has got enough depth to it that they can draw up various things. Yeah, That's it's it. it's a potentially exciting offense, but it just I don't know. It hasn't. It's come together in 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 streaks this season. It feels like, but it's I don't know. I'm, I'm looking. I think for... this this team is better than the Blake Bortles. Yeah I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that team made the 
conference championship well, games. Not, not the Steelers out, yeah. So, so what do I know? Uh, the Kyler, <laughs> Kyler beats the Falcons by two in his return. Was surprised to see how effective he looked moving the ball. Uh, with I'm really legs. surprised they brought him back so soon. Me too. I thought they were going to guarantee themselves a first round pick, then bring him back to, as a trade chip, like with four or five games left. Not, not to me. Game. There's only one reason why they're doing this, and it's that they want Kyler Murray to be the QB of the future. Right, exactly. So they're they're not they're not doing the whole Josh Rosen thing yeah. again. Surprising. I am surprised by it as well. Yeah, I really did think they would, but uh, fair enough. I mean, good for them. Don't tank. Let's go for it. Uh, Lions beat the Chargers in a shootout, forty-one thirty-eight. Um, Strange game. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of eyes on this game. Tell me about. It. Oh, I was watching it. It's it's, it's an awesome game, but uh, you wouldn't have expected a game where I don't know. If you put up the stats, but you've got Keenan Allen going nuts and. Eckler scoring touchdowns. I mean, just like statistically, the Chargers should have won that game. Somehow they lost it. I, I, I don't. I don't get it. Because it didn't it, seem like it, it's one of the consistently funniest things in the league to me that the Chargers can find new ways to lose games. In like, like you say, in the way that the Steelers find ways to win them. Yeah, over and over and over again. I absolutely love it. I don't know what it is. Some of the passes that Herbert was making, you just look at it. Oh my god, that is like inch perfect. <laughs> How can he do that and he still don't win? Yard, perfect spiral. You know, rainbow into like. <sighs> into a dude's top hat. You know, it's just um, unbelievable the kind of accuracy Pickett can only dream of, and yet they're losing games when they're scoring all these points. I mean, uh, that, that, that Brandon Staley is is out, 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 out. It's got to be. He's gone. I mean, they can't find an answer there. It's been the same, even when they had that great team I watched at Wembley with, with the Darius Tomlinson, and they were going to the playoffs and just didn't show up. They're just, uh, what's wrong? Why does he team? have a job? Right. What is wrong with that team? I don't know. It's something, <laughs> some curse, some hex on them. Good for the Lions, though. I saw uh, our old friends, Roar of the Lions. They were having a grand old time, and they seem to be doing it all this season, so I'm enjoying living uh, by, you know, what's the, I nearly said by curiously. Then. <laughs> well. <laughs> What's Feel the word I'm looking for? Vicariously. Uh, vicariously, thank you. <laughs> that would have been an old timer. <laughs> oh, that was the laugh. It was back. I think it was. Um, yeah, well, that was a good, a good little rendition. That was <laughs> it. That was, yeah, that was it. Uh, Tommy DeVito gets mauled by a dump truck on the way to one of the most one-sided NFL games oh, I've man. ever seen. I, I've made all my fancy moves so I can reveal what they should do. Why are they not? I picked him up in the two or three dynasties. Why are they not moving to Matt Barkley? He's clearly a much better Wait, game Matt manager. Matt Barkley's on that roster? Yeah, he's on the practice squad. That's why I picked him up. That, I, I alluded to it last week and said, I'm going to make some moves. I don't want to talk about it. Matt Barkley is on the practice squad and it has been all season. He knows the offense. He is there. Surely he is better. That than is so guy. weird. I, I mean, I know. The hot dog seller that they've got playing <laughs> at the moment. I mean, what the hell is going on out there? <laughs> I know that, um, I know that's kind of like choosing between like eating a raw onion and a celery stick, but I mean, take the celery stick. You know what I mean? <laughs> They've got some. They've got Barkley, and they've got some decent receivers. Barkley's totally like okay. Yeah, Sa- <laughs> oh, sorry, know. they've got Saquon. I mean, they've got Saquon. They've got some weapons they can use. They've got Darren Waller. Or he's injured. They don't now. want to win games. Clearly, maybe they're going for. A it, it wouldn't game. surprise me if one of two things is going on there. Either the ownership has stepped in and said we're playing this Tommy DeVito kid, or uh, the ownership have stepped in and told coaching staff that, that they have another year after this year not to not to be concerned and to to play Tommy DeVito and get that first pick I don't know but he's like he's like nowhere near viable is he like no he's not that's what I mean there's absolutely no way that any NFL team could be convincing themselves that this is a viable starting option it's, it's not, I, don't, I don't get what they're doing he's not even a good enough runner it's a, tank. To make it's a it... straight tank this is the worst tank we've seen since the the, the god-awful tank we saw from the Cardinals a couple of years ago 
Hmm. This is a full-on tank. And the only thing I can't make sense of is the Brian Dable aspect of it all, because this is a reigning coach of the year, a guy that you would think would want to build some momentum and and wouldn't be tanking for any any love of money, but... They should be punished for putting that. They should be punished. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not being funny. There's probably free agent quarterbacks sitting out there that would do a better job than uh, Danny DeVito's youngest brother. Wentz went to the Rams. Yeah, Wentz. Yeah, get Wentz in. I don't know. (sighs) Tommy DeVito. I don't need to say it. But what I do appreciate is the Cowboys fantasy players just racking up stats. Big fan of that. I was like, they're going to bench all the players by halftime. I'm going to get nothing. Apart from Pollard, who I needed. Whatever. Pollard can get in the bin. Mm. Um, Broncos beat the Bills a week after beating Kansas City 24-22 I fell asleep in the fourth quarter of this one so did not see the crazy <laughs> ending that everyone keeps talking about no I didn't either I watched well, I watched the replay and didn't only paid half attention because I just needed Jerry Judy to get me three <laughs> points and he got me six so that was good get in <laughs> good job Jerry Judy um, yeah I'm a little bit split on this because I'm kind of here for the Russell Wilson renaissance like because I was always a big Russell fan back in the day but at the same time I was also here for the fall of Sean Payton, so I'm I'm a little upset if that doesn't that doesn't come off. Interesting game this week. Who are they playing the Bills? Is it? I think they play the Bills this week. No, not the Bills. Uh, who are they playing? They're playing someone. No, oh, I can't remember. It's gone. <laughs> I, I remember I nearly picked them to win the game and then avoided it on the sevens. I wish I could tell you. So that sound tells me that you will tell me very soon. Vikings. Vikings. That's it. That's that's a tough. It feels like that feels like a coin flip to me. What are the odds on that? What's Vegas saying? I don't know. Because, because uh, <laughs> I can look it up. No. Uh, because that feel to, feels to me like a real close game with the situations in both franchises. Hang on, let me get this up. I can tell you what Betfair has. Hang on. Uh, Whistler tunes yourself, listener. Whoa, Whistler tune. How about uh, a favourite sound drop from the uh, the archive? Uh, what have we got? They put their finger up my ass. Oh. That's a little bit, of Dave. There you go. You found it. Uh, here we are. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's the yeah the Broncos are favourite, and I was going to pick the Broncos for that game. So they're one point seven seven, and the Vikings are two point two four. So that's pretty close. Pretty tight odds there. So that's a surprising one. I might right. actually translate that into something I understand again. Um, uh, now I need to go to Google because I can never do that. <laughs> never anymore. mind, forget it. This is the Broncos Vikings game. <laughs> um, wait, 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 wait. Convert 2.4 to decimal to fractional. <laughs> it's uh, the only podcast with live fractionalization going on. It's not even that live because it's so slow. To a fraction. Oops, wait. Oh, no. Wrong drum. No, it's not going to work because I'm now I'm now in how-to videos. <laughs> right, uh, let's move on. Um, <laughs> I, and then I just listed the three games that bored the hell out of me at the bottom and didn't write anything about them. Seahawks beat Washington 29-26. Oh, that, no, wait, that was an awesome game. I Hang didn't on. watch it. I was just saying like, oh, it seems. No, it's 56 to 25. That's not a fraction. Wait, what? <laughs> okay, that's no good. That's not all right. <laughs> Forget that. I really am moving on. Um Oh no! Oh, it's come up with fifty-six over twenty-five as a fraction, which is not uh, not right. That game was awesome, man. especially as I had Geno Smith and Sam Howell. As yeah, my you were Sam Howell, you know. That yeah, was... yeah, Stan. But um, that was like the most boring, dull game until the fourth quarter when it came alive and both teams needed to win and they started slinging it around. That was fun. 
Seahawks uh, win that one 29-26. The Bucks beat the Titans 20 to 6. What's happened with the Bucks, man? They're suddenly alive. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. The one thing about Baker Mayfield for all all of what's gone on. And I read it, I read it, someone else wrote it today, but I, I thought it, it captured his essence quite well. That dude would leave the field in a body bag. <laughs> and it feels like doesn't it feel like it's very brownsy to get rid of the guy, even though he's a first overall pick. The guy that was like kind of the plucky, short dude who would do anything for the team and was like, you know, would leave the field in a body bag, right? That guy. How many for... Browns QBs have had their own franchise of of insurance adverts? Yeah, exactly, right? And then you kind of dump him off after one bad season, even though he's the only guy who's beat the Steelers in the playoffs, the only guy who's won a game in the playoffs for God knows how long. You dump that guy for uh, a, a yeah, a non-convicted uh, accused an <laughs> alleged mind. wanker <laughs> well, well an alleged not you know not wanker uh, well, I don't know he's going around getting others to do it for him not um, anymore he's a shoulder injury <laughs> well that's what I mean and then it seems like the guy really isn't that interested in playing um, what is going what I don't understand this well that takes thing. us nicely into uh, mm. the Browns comeback win against the Ravens featuring Deshaun Watson uh, they won 33-31 after the Ravens just you know went out Swinging to start with, it looked like they had that game wrapped up in the first half. But the Ravens are a weird team, and get to that another time. But... I thought Watson played pretty well in this game. Their comeback was due to him. I thought having playing with unwavering belief and pocket ability, unwavering belief. That guy has no uh, guilt or yeah. sense of shame, or uh, he is like Mister Teflon. Like nothing, nothing will touch him. He's quite happy to come back after being alleged of various disgusting crimes, to come back when he scores a touchdown to play the guitar, right? That, this is that yeah. dude. No oh, shame. Um, it's the one guy in the league that when I saw he was out for the season, I went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care. Screw him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude sucks. <laughs> let's hope, um, well, no, let's hope DTR sucks as well, to be honest. But I don't know. I, I, I just, I want the guy out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> done with him. Um, I, I, listen. Why does he have a job? Well, he's not been found guilty. I mean, no, it, it's... No, again, I've said this a million times. It's not the crime. Well, I mean, it is the crimes, obviously, but but it's the it's the lack of remorse. It's the attitude he's shown throughout the entire process and since coming back. I can't stand the dude. But would, would remorse be an admission of guilt? Fine. Well, maybe he should have admitted his guilt then, you know. But then if he admits his guilt, then he's guilty and therefore he doesn't have a job and he goes to... He probably so, would, though, you know. My, uh, well, not now, not at this stage. I, I don't know, look. I think there was a way to play this that maybe even just shutting the up. <laughs> it's just all a bit, what do the kids say? Ick. Like, it's all ick, yeah. It's all ick. It's all gross. And, and I think the Browns are as much to blame as anyone for getting involved in the situation. And there are other teams that are in it as well, you know, as we know. But the, the Browns are in a weird situation where they had Baker, and, and I know it was common, you know, people people thought they should get rid of Baker at that time, but... It's a bit Trumpian, isn't it? It's like you just don't give a shit. Like you just, <clears throat> yeah, it's... just carry on doing what you're doing and not not acknowledge the fact that people are disgusted or you, hate you. You, you or... watch the boys? No. Oh, okay, a little bit homelandery. It feels like <clears throat> for anyone that's watched that show, where it just feels like the worst and worst things that he does, the more support he gets. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, enough about Deshaun Watson. He's out. He's gone. Good. Good riddance. We we this uh, this uh, this Sunday I should say um, at, at Chris Shaw again apparently the Steelers will face the Browns 
And Dorian Thompson-Robinson has been named starter after mm-hmm. Watson declared out for the season with a shoulder injury. So not uh, PJ Walker as it had been in the, in the previous uh, Watson absentee start. But Dorian Thompson It's a wise move for them. I think it's... Because he yeah. showed some promise in the preseason, didn't he? Yeah, showed a lot of promise in the preseason, but he's, he, obviously in his one start this year, because um, he was their first port call before they switched, he started against Baltimore and threw for 121 yards, no touchdowns and three picks in what mm-hmm. was a pretty disastrous game. I mean, we'll see if we get a repeat of that. <laughs> I certainly hope so, but uh, we also did see good stuff out of him the preseason. I think we're going to see a heavy run game and a bit of him running and then some play action off the run and some deep passes. I think they'll try and protect him a little bit more. I don't they, think they have that. to. Yeah. yeah. I think they let him loose a little bit too early and he got found out. But the but other... I think I think underestimate him at, at your peril. I do I do think okay. there's a good quarterback in there somewhere. Okay, interesting. I, yeah, cuz I, I don't know what to expect from him in all honesty cuz I I didn't even watch the, the the game he started against Baltimore. So I've only seen his preseason performances and to me he looked like a guy I would want to be getting in, in the game. Yeah. I mean, so, it was, you know, the Baltimore, Baltimore is pretty good back end, pretty good rush. And but it's not, you know, he's, it's no easy feat against the Steelers either. Let's be honest. I mean, I know <laughs> there's going to be some coverage questions for sure. And that, that does concern me, but have you seen the situation with the Browns tackles right now? Yeah. They're not in a good way. The one Jones was out last week, still did not practice this week. I think, unless you can find me a more up to date one today. Um, meaning that it would be third string James Hudson going up against TG what TJ Watt. Now do you know why, Gav, that is relevant? Is that is that Rich's sleeper? So James Hudson has faced TJ Watt in a matchup before in twenty twenty two when the Steelers sacked Baker Mayfield nine times, four of which came against Hudson for Watt. That was basically the culmination of the um Baker Mayfield era where that game it ended but Baker. It, it, I think he may, maybe have played out that season, but that was the game after it where it felt like tensions had boiled over. He got sat nine times. There was a press conference. I was reading about it today. There was a press conference after where he sort of called out the Browns for not giving the rookie tackle any help against TJ Watt. Um, so it felt like that started to sort of fracture the Baker-Brown relationship. So there's a bit of history here with James Hudson and TJ Watt. And it's kind of fascinating that we're going up against him again two seasons later potentially. And obviously you've got Alex Highsmith then on the, on the other side who's, who's uh, also going up against uh, a backup in um, Christian, right? So mm. questionable O-line. They have been able to run the ball even... Is Teller out as well? Is he, is he out? I don't... Uh, I, haven't, I don't see that he is. No, and didn't they lose him? Or was so that... Let me take a look at the... Uh, I've got the... At least yesterday's injury report in front of me here. Uh, Bitonio, not injury related for Betonio. We've got uh, well, I'll give you everything, all the all the relevant ones. Um, David Bell limited with a knee. Um, He's junk anyway. Yeah, uh, Goodwin, the receiver. Do we not? I can't, I can't recall who that is. Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin, the sprinter. He's ah, junk. Did can't not practice. Uh, Daywon Jones did not practice. Um, Greg Newsom limited with a groin. That would be huge if he's out because he's, uh, he's good. A Quancro limited with a groin. Um, Wyatt Teller did not practice an ankle, quite right. Yeah, I Gav, think he yeah. was out, yeah. Uh, Juan Thornhill did not practice with a calf. Uh, that's that's about it for the uh, the relevant injuries, I think. Yeah. Uh, Denzel Ward limited with a neck as well. So, big injury report for them, but I think the offensive line is where the keys the key falls. I think if we can just completely... I, I mean, I, I, I worry saying this because we've claimed this in the past and it never seems to come true, but... Couldn't you see one of those games where you've got 
us going up against bad tackles, questionable all-line play, a rookie uh, QB looking a bit hectic in the pocket. This could be a game to feast. Yeah, it could it could work out well. But it never seems to, right, whenever we no, think that doesn't. is going to happen. <laughs> so, I don't know. As for the Steelers, uh, I believe that Fry, I saw Fryer move his full practice today. Um, I'm realizing that Mark is usually the one that finds the practice report on, on quick succession, but um, yeah, I'm not really your injury guy. That's uh, Fitz, uh Minka no, is it was limited in practice, I think, today. Cam Haywood was limited in practice. Man, if they get Minka back, they won this game, I think, because he will get multiple picks. I mean, you know, Cooper, Cooper's having a great season, and Joku is making great plays against the Ravens, he's having a hell of a season, uh, out, out physically in DBs, but. All of that's up in the air with this with this quarterback. So they're, they're going to lean on the running game. And it, it's great. I mean, they're third in rush yards, second in attempts, eighth in touchdowns. Uh, How are they doing it? With, with injuries on the O-line and Nick Chubb out? I mean, Jerome Ford and Kareem Monk seem to have performed admirably, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the line. It's, I don't know, a philosophy. Just very physical. Ford and strong, very physical. Hunt, you know, bit of a pass catcher, getting some touchdowns, maybe not, maybe past his best, but as, you know, the solid, solidness of the line, I guess. I don't know. Seems to be working for him. Um, I, I do think the Steelers are going to win, though. I'm would you say. have picked the Browns before the Watson news? Um, no. Interesting. I would have done. That they're, they're 24th in sacks allowed and 30th in turnovers. I think that sets up for, you know, what you were saying a minute ago. I think it sets up for TJ and Highsmith to just feed. Just, just need the... You know the coverage units to hold up and not be giving up crazy plays and coverage busts and miscommunications all day that give DTR a way out. I think um, if you can make him stand that extra half a second in the pocket, I agree. I think this, you know, uh, mm. I think we could be getting home a fair bit. Uh, we should have mentioned we played them last on the 18th of August. We won 26-22. and I was realizing mm. when I wrote that I could not remember anything that occurred in that game outside of Nick Chubb's knee. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's how poor my memory is. It only occurred like two months ago to the day. What week was that? Was that week one? Preseason. 18th of August. 18th Isn't of that August. preseason? Must be preseason. No, we wouldn't play them in the preseason. Wait, maybe I wrote the months down wrong? September? Yeah, must, have, must have been September. September. Yeah, must have. I'm not going to promise that I always write down the right month when I just see yeah. a number. Okay. You know? Um, I remember that June is six, and then I just try and work it out at the end of that. Okay. You can use that. <laughs> There's a trick for your knuckles. The defense, <laughs> however, very good. That is a concern. Top top Very 10 true. in sacks and picks. First in defending the pass. Uh, first in pass yards. First in pass attempts. First in pass att- uh, completions. First in red zone attempts. First in red uh, running down stops. And first in third down completion percentage. Third in pass TDs. Seventh in rush TDs. This 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 team stops you from scoring. So it is a challenge. The only, only stats not in the top 10 for this defense Rushing TDs, 18th. Hello, Jada Warren. Touchdowns overall, 15th. And uh, red zone touchdown percentage, 27th. And fourth down conversion percentage, 21st. So uh, I don't know what you can make out of that. Basically, it's a, it's a good defense that occasionally can't stop a completion. They only average, they average less than 19 points allowed per game. And we only average 17 points per game on mm. offense. So I must admit it isn't it isn't promising, but we managed it, you know. Last time, these games are always strange. I think the defense is going to score some some points here. 
The Browns? Yeah. Or the Steelers do. The Steelers. The Steelers. I, think, I think that's how they win this. I don't, I don't think you win through offense against this defense. I yeah, think... I agree. <clears throat> Set up good field position. Yeah. For some turnovers. Yeah, get some turnovers. Points off turnovers, we'll win this. Yeah. So we need we need some some turnovers early from the Steelers defense to get to get the momentum going. Now this I thought this was the last thing from me. This is a I thought mega interesting, right? Um the over under on this game is currently set at thirty three, which is set to be the second lowest over under point total in the last decade in the NFL. Wow. Thirty three points. That that's insane to me. Bang the over on that, everyone, if you can get that. Hmm. I was gonna take the Browns you know, when, when Watson was in. But with DTR in, I will be taking the Steelers. I'm going to go 26-20 Browns. That's, if you count in 46 points, smash that over. Steelers win, 7-3. Yeah, I got a Steelers win. I picked them in the sevens. Can't remember the score. I think it was something like, hmm, I probably would have picked something like 17-9, something like that. All right. Well, I'm saying that you did, 17 <laughs> <laughs> So you think it's going to be under the 33 points? I do. Okay. Do. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. Anything else in that game? No. All right. We played it once already. Let's do, let's do let's do the double on the Browns. I enjoy doing that. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, I, I will say as well, if we do win this game, and, and the, obviously the Watson thing going out is, is huge, we could go top of the AFC North if the Ravens lose tonight. And... There was some talk that we could go top of the AFC if the Chiefs lose, but um, apparently that's not true because of some tiebreakers. I don't know. I've got unconfirmed reports on that from people on Twitter. So, But the point is that we would be in and about with the big boys, which seems ludicrous, right, to be honest? It is. It seems, yeah, fraudulent. Um, but here we are, one game away <laughs> from the top of the AFC North. Um, and our division record would then be, so we beat the Bengals, we beat the Ravens. No, sorry, we, we didn't beat the Bengals. We beat the Browns, we beat the Ravens. We'd beat the Browns again. 3-0 and in the division straight away. Obviously, three tough games to come, but, I mean, I think you were hoping for a minimum of a 3-3 three and three when the season started, so massive boon, I think, to the uh, to the division chances there if, if we can get this win today. Today, on Sunday. All right. Last bits. Kebab bowl. We've had a death in the family, I'm afraid. Matt Audley once famously left out of the kebab bowl through no fault of his own and then cast as vampire has perished in his first season in human form. <laughs> he did well though. He's outlasted most of the hosts. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we should have let him in early. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, God bless Matt. And I saw Christian McCaffrey went for like $16. So we're truly in the... In the dying deaths. Of, yeah, the, uh, the deaths of Fab. Have you got no money left, I'm guessing? Uh, I've, I've saved back a little pittance just okay. in case. Just in case. Feeling confident? Um, <clears throat> I feel like <clears throat> I was getting like gaudy projections uh, maybe a month ago, and now everyone's projections are kind of catching up to me. I've not really made any major acquisitions in the last month. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I kind of made my moves early, got got out ahead, and now everyone's catching up. So it, it comes down to what happens in the next couple of games. If I survive the next couple of games, can pick up. I think I need a better receiver. The, the Watson injury hurts me because I've got Cooper. Mm. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I am feeling confident. But, yeah, it's, I, I need to uh, upgrade my receiver core, I think. Keenan, Keenan Allen's doing a lot of heavy lifting, and I worry that if he goes down, you know, he's getting on. Yeah, you've been lucky you stayed up this long. 
And a Mike Williams injury yeah. probably help your volume with yeah, that. That, as well. could, that could hurt me. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So cause, because, I, because I went for sort of older, stabler guys, that was my strategy. It, it, hurt, it sort of dings you as you get down the stretch when the younger guys start to come good. So I need to make some moves here. But I, I don't want to reveal too much of my strategy. Yeah, nope. Smart. Okay, fair enough. Uh, League two continues. Uh, I lost for a second straight week this week, so I fall into fifth. Um, Derek Carr, Aiden O'Connell, and Tyson Bajant being my QBs in a super flex is not aiding me, to be honest. Um, but Delaware Steeler continues at the top with only one loss. Kathy, Brick UK, and Laurie are all in the hunt for the top two spots over there. So that'll be interesting to see who gets promoted out of that league. What happens with the playoffs? When when do the playoffs start in, in fantasy? Weeks? Usually after week 14 or 15, 14. is it? In in yeah. the league two, it'll be fine, but I'm just thinking about the kebab bowl. We'll talk about it off air. We'll figure it out. Just making sure that the that, that format makes sense. Mm. I guess you yeah. don't need a playoff situation. You just need to keep track of who scores the most points until the end. Yeah. Over to you. We'll figure it out. Yeah, over, over to you. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Gridiron Sevens with no mark. I do just want to give a quick update. Still tight at the top. Uh, I'm still third on 128 points, but the top two, Laurie again and Rob Ferguson. Laurie, stop doing so well at everything, please. Thank you. I did beat her at Fantasy this week, and she messaged me beforehand saying that it was a clutch of the Titans. So. Or maybe I'd said that. Supreme confidence in me and Laurie, you see. Um, but yeah, 130 points for those two. The average score this week, 9.6. Felt like a tough week this week. How did you do? 11. Uh, you beat me. Yeah. You did above average. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I did okay, but I'm, I'm bottom-dwelling. Yeah, maybe. But uh, you just got to build some of these results. I mean, I know it seems like a lot, but... 15, yeah, I'm, 15 I'm points resisting. behind. If you keep, I wouldn't go crazy with it. Yeah, I know. I know. Max I'm resisting the urge to go crazy. I, I'm. I'm picking safe bets still. I, I would. I would stick to... with it. I, I think you're close yeah. enough. You're only 16 points back from the lead. I know it yeah. looks a lot on the chart, but I think yeah. If you get an exact score or something lucky, for exactly. Sure, yeah, you're totally you're right in, it. in it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm just. I'm just chugging along. I haven't moved into desperation mode yet. Yeah, smart. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and, and shout out to Mark. I think this has been a runaway success this season. I've been enjoying it. I need to... Yeah, it's good, yeah. I Although I do forget this. until the last minute every Yeah, me too. <laughs> He's just reminded like, me on, on the chat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's all the usual I've, stuff we do. I've got a little thing. It's not... Uh, I'm not going to do a who am I with... Um, Might be a bit tough. With just you. But I've got, <laughs> I've got a little quiz here that actually is Ran-inspired. So shout out to Ran. Um, he okay. sent me some things through and I said to him, oh, that would be a great quiz. And then here we are. And this is what I'm falling back on because it's perfect. Uh, so shout out to you, Ran. Right. So uh, he actually sent me, I think based on something we were talking about last week, all of the different stadium capacities of the international series. Oh, okay. Excluding Canada. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to name uh, one, two, three, four. Mm, I'm not going to include that. Uh, five stadiums, and you're going to rank them in capacity size, right? Okay. Uh, from biggest to smallest. So it's the major international series games plus Acreshaw, right? So we've got Acreshaw Stadium. Mm-hmm. We've got Tottenham. Mm-hmm. We've got Wembley. Mm-hmm. We've got Frankfurt. And we've got the Aztec Stadium. So do you want to guess from one to five who has the biggest capacity? Okay. Now, the Azteca one is going to throw me here because I really have no concept of how big that is. I feel like it's maybe quite big. And it could be the biggest, but it could also you could you could tell me it was the smallest and I could believe you. So I'm gonna go with this. Wembley? 
No, no, I'm going to go Azteca. Aztec. Wembley. Okay. Hot Totty. Wembley. And then the big top. Frankfurt at Krishu. Let's do my own weights and measures here. Hang on. And then Agrishore. I think the concept of this quiz might be that Agrishore is surprisingly the smallest of those. You'd be incorrect. Tottenham oh, actually the smallest. No, sorry. Frankfurt's the smallest. Frankfurt. Well, I did, well I, I, yeah, so I thought Frankfurt was the smallest, but then I was like, maybe I'm being, I'm being shunned into a, a no, concept. So, here, so, so okay. Frankfurt's the smallest. Then it's Tottenham. Okay. Right, so Frankfurt's 51,500. Then it's Tottenham, 62,850, which ran as it included, deliberately designed to be bigger than Arsenal, which is 60,432. So they've got an extra, like, 1,500 fans in there, or 2,000, actually. Uh, then it's Akershaw, yeah. third. Then it's the Aztec Stadium. I thought the Aztec Stadium was, like, 150,000. Yeah, I thought it might have been sort of crazy because the, the way it's set up, I don't know, yeah. It just seemed like that, and uh, it's kind of rude. But yeah, eighty two, eighty three thousand two hundred and fifty four. Yeah. Why fifty four? Why not fifty five? Like, what's what's that one guy done? The fifty fourth person just didn't he have sat? space for the seat. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, Wembley at ninety thousand, a clean ninety thousand. I, I know the list was kind of all off. I kind of feel okay about how I did there because I think I was generally right. I, I, I thought Azteca and Wembley were the top two. Got them the wrong way around. I misunderstood the concept of the quiz because I thought you were trying to trick me with the Akrishaw thing. No, I'm not tricking. But largely, I had a good idea of the sizes. Sure. There's a bonus <laughs> round. There's a okay. bonus round. Okay. Which, which Ran also provided. The biggest capacity in the NFL is? Let me think. Let me think. I want to scream one straight away, but I'm stopping myself. Um, okay. Well, I'll go with AT&T. Incorrect. Oh. NFL is Jets MetLife. Uh, was it, do you know, uh, MetLife was one of the five that crossed my mind as I thought. I don't, I don't know why he's put Jets MetLife and not, not the Giants. Maybe, maybe the just... Jets have more seats. They, they like bring in some debt chairs. Maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, 82,500 dwarfed by the biggest American football stadium of all. Which uh, is a college football stadium. Is it, yeah, I'm going to say, is it, is it like Alabama's? Is that your guess? The, the capacity is 107,601. Again, Michigan. the one. Is that your guess? <laughs> I don't know. My guess would have been Alabama, but it's probably not. So what are you going with? Alabama? Alabama yeah, go on. Oh, it, it was Michigan. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, I see now why you said, is that your guess? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was trying to throw you a bone. You did try, yeah. Uh, so thanks, Frank. I feel like I came very close to both of those, but no cigar. You did, oh, but well. yeah, not even a cigarette. Yeah. No. There you go. Well, that's, I mean, what is the, the Pittsburgh Steelers need a new stadium, don't they? I mean, like to be almost hmm. not 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 much over so, half. I'm gonna say, what, what is Michigan the capacity? Sixty-eight thousand four hundred. And what's the largest in the what's MetLife? Eighty-two thousand five hundred. Okay. And then a the college team is running out nearly a hundred and ten thousand. College is weird, though, right? I, I I don't really know what's going on with college football, but all those stadiums just look nuts. Mm. I mean, that's just got to be something to do with like the campus environment, and you know, just the yeah. Sheer I mean, what, what else are you going to do in like yeah. downtown, wherever they are? I, I, and on top of that, there are also like NFL level franchises with actual fans and stuff. So it's you know, it's mm. a, probably a little bit skewed. But 
Um, so some English people, do you find this? Like, if you some English people have absolutely no concept of American college football, and when you tell them that they get like you know they can get a hundred thousand in a stadium, they're like, "What?" Because they, I think they picture it sometimes. Some of them that have really no idea as like what uni soccer is here, or there's like three guys <laughs> with an umbrella sort of the <laughs> man and dog <laughs> smoking a cigarette. It's kind of wild, like the difference though, isn't it, between our favourite sports? Considering that our sport is probably way bigger, and we just have no. I guess it's all done through the clubs. It's a totally different. System. Yeah, it's a different You've system. Got like Torquay United. I guess no, no, actually, good football players would be in uni doing football. Would they? They'd be up for teams and whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's totally skewed, isn't it? It's, it's kind of totally sad. Like, I feel like it would be system. fun if you had like a, a, a you know a robust college soccer league of some kind. I think I think it'd be interesting. Oh well, we can't have everything we want, can we? We cannot. <laughs> all right. Anything else for the sugar? Uh, no, I don't think so. Unless no. you've got anything outside of football you want to talk about, I mean, eh, nothing major. Have you, you, you seen the killer yet? The new, the new David Fincher. No. All have right, you? we'll hold off on that. Yeah. Is it um, how, how? How do you without any spoilers? Do you, how does it rank amongst previous work? Um, I very simply have a list of all of David Fincher's movies that I can reference to decide that. Although I haven't put it in it yet. Um, I would say it is. To Finch is a guy, I like his tone. I, like, I, like, I really right. like so, his movies. If you like the tone, I think you'll love it. Because that's what I loved about it. I think the tone, it absolutely nails it. I think it's great. I don't think it's quite as good as my favourite four movies of him, which are Gone Girl 7, Fight Club, and The Social Network. I would put it maybe mm. one tier below that. Maybe even below Mank, because I absolutely love Mank. But, mm. uh, but there is a vibe to it that I think is super interesting. It's a really cool idea. And I think you'll very much enjoy it. Now, when was the last time... See, I haven't seen Fight Club since it was released, mm-hmm. and I feel like it wouldn't be as good. I don't know. I watched. I watched it probably about three years ago and loved it. Um, it was that kind of uh, in the sort of post Matrix era of everything being green. I think it right. holds up a lot better than the Matrix rewatching. Like uh, to me, mm. it feels. But it is green, right? The, everyone. Yeah, it's green. got that early two thousand sort of oh, yeah. hazy vibe to it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's got the meatloaf as a main character. What do you expect? And also, when you've seen it once, you know that. The twists, of course, the, yeah. The but, tricks of it. Um, and it was very much that, like, destroy capitalism, anti, anti-cap anti kind of era, which is we've maybe moved on a little bit, like we've realised actually maybe your government making money is quite good because everyone else gets to have a decent health service, you know? No, I think the jury might be out on that a little bit, but we'll... Do you uh, think so? No. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like the anti-capitalist <laughs> movement is, like... Transfer uh, to be honest, in... I think the anti-capitalist movement and the capitalist movement are entirely this... <laughs> They are, but you know, the, the anti-capitalist movement in the sort of late nineties, early two thousands was was strong. Like there was there was the anti-capitalist march every May Day. People go and smash up some bins in in downtown London. It felt like there was a movement. That movement has died probably because they had no success, and I think they've moved into like just stop oil and extinction rebellion yeah, and yeah. these other things that are like subverting the ecological debate for their capitalist desires, which kind of feels uh, un, uh, without integrity, whatever the word is for that. It feels like they're manipulating people with low cognitive ability to uh, to trick them. You know, like like people said what, what uh, the right-wingers did with Brexit, you know, you trick people. It feels like that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're tricking the good-natured uh, majority into backing them for their subversive means where I preferred them when they were just out in the open smashing shit up and saying, we, you know, 
camping out in front of the central banks. I felt like that was more uh, respectful. I think you might be exposed to more anti-capitalist cells than I am in London. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't see any anymore. They've all gone. So therefore, there's there's a theory they've all infiltrated these various things and they've gone underground. Mm. That, yeah, so that, they're just they're, what you mean is they're using these organisations as a right as a means as a vehicle to progress. Because what what does agenda. the green movement do if it doesn't attack capitalism? So they're attacking capitalism. The, the trouble is, I struggle with the thought of like an anti-capitalism agenda because when you just say anti-capitalism agenda, I get, I'm like I'm like well, I guess I'm part of the anti-capitalist agenda, but I'm, I'm not I'm not on the streets. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they were. That's what I mean. They've gone. Where, you've got to ask where they've gone and and in their. In their in their steed have the people gluing themselves to tube trains have, yeah. have replaced them. So it's like the same people. It is the same people. That's just. I mean, that that brings you into the cultural argument and just the 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 without one digression of the left. I, I think I think there's a place in society for 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 being anti-capitalist. I'm not saying that it's it's an inherently evil position. I'm saying it's a good argument that people should have, but they should just be but they're open just doing it the right way. Yeah, yeah, they should just be open yeah. about it. But the problem so, is, guy, and this comes back to something that I've been going on about for years now, and it's the whole reason that I kind of stopped following mainstream politics is because it is degraded now, and I think a lot of it's you know the Trumpianism of it all, and we've seen that sort of come across the pond. People don't care about policies or even class anymore. They're, they're only interested in social issues, which are obviously important to no, extend. The, the people only care about class when they're trying to hide their own middle classness. Say again? People <laughs> only, only care about class. The only thing people care about is not being middle class. Like everyone wants to be working class or upper class. Everyone wants to hide the fact they're middle class. That, yeah, it's weird. Theory. Everybody wants to be middle class, but nobody wants to be seen as being middle class. Right. Yeah. Whereas being middle class was the driver of success in yeah. like yeah. post post war uh, aspiration. Right. Like with the the drivers of middle class were like manufacturing and you know it's, uh, business and uh, small business ownership. Right. Made you middle class, which alleviated you from poverty. Well, now being middle class is seen as like being a bit stinky and like undesirable. But mm. really, we should just embrace that and go. We, we none of us want to be down the pits. That's a horrible job. We we want to be you know affluent, successful. And that is being middle class, but yet everyone wants to hide it. So I, I just, we should all be proud of our achievements and the fact that, you know, we, we're not, uh, you know, up chimneys. Yeah, this country not that I've is... worked for months. You know, I'm, I'm not even any class. I'm, I'm, <laughs> You're the underclass. I'm the underclass. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't mean that. It, it's, it's one of those things. I, I don't know how, how you, it's just degraded to such a point now where, no, nobody's interest. Like, I really think that all that matters is class. That's always been my position, and that's why I felt at home in politics in in my younger years. I think until I was sort of maybe in my early twenties, as you know, I was like hugely political active, politically active, mm. and, and I felt very at home in that world. And I think the reason that I don't now is because I don't recognise it anymore. It doesn't feel like the people that are actually in that world, almost any of them, campaign or relative stand up or, or are interested in the things I am concerned or interested in. Well, unfortunately, if you're working class at the moment, you're 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 uh, pigeonholed into being like EDL or right. That's well, or... yeah, exactly. Yeah, that it's it's a shame that it's like the Labour Party, you know, on a small scale, and and the left on a worldwide scale has ceded the working class to the to to the right wing. Yeah, in recent years, it's and, and that's that's the cult, that's the importance of the culture war. It really is. I know people laugh about it. I really think that the culture war, quote unquote is a real thing and it's had an incredible impact that people don't see on 
on uh, how politics work. I know. Um, but I anyway, agree. this was this was me trying to get to a segue to tell you that the new Nick Cage movie is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Which one was it? Um, dream Scenario. Um, wow. You might have seen it. Um, have you seen the trailers for it all? No, I'm not seen Okay, it. so the trailer gives away the, the concept. That's not really a spoiler, but but it would be if you wanted to go in completely blind. Would you care if I told you what the concept is? No. Because it's very me. much like a concept movie. No, Basically, uh, the concept is that um, Nick Cage is like this this kind of really average, boring dude who's a professor. Um, nothing sort of special about him at all. And people just start dreaming about him. Uh, it starts with people he knows, and then more and more people... And all of a sudden, there's people like around the world dreaming about this guy who have no reason to that have never seen him. Um, and it's just, it, but what's really interesting about wow, it what is a great concept. It's a great concept, but it does this great thing that kind of, and I've likened it to other movies. It kind of reminds me of films like The Truman Show or um, uh, the beautiful, uh, sorry, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, so the Spotless Mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine, thank you, of The Spotless Mind or. Uh, there's another one that they really reminded me of that I'm forgetting now. But um, do you know that kind of like late being 90s? John being John Malkovich is exactly it. Well done. Um, do you know that like kind of late 90s, early 2000s kind of weird concept zany movie? But like it's yeah. grounded and it like it yeah, focuses yeah. purely on the effects of that person of experiencing this. And and, and the, the 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 zaniness is works because of the groundedness. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it kind of follows how this guy, you know, it, it starts happening. He's a little bit like, oh, like, okay. And it, and, it ha- and the movie obviously has a lot to say about, like, why are we all so desperate for attention? And why are we all so eager to, like, claim, you know, any grasp of fame? And uh, it's a very interesting concept movie. It's got a lot to say. I think it's one of the best movies of the year. And Nick what, Cage. Nick, is Nick Cage, I was going to say, he is the actor in the world that is prepared to put himself up and be destroyed. Like he, he, he literally doesn't care. And he puts himself in these self-referential movies where he's like taking the piss out of himself. Like I didn't really love um, unbearable weight of massive talent, but you kind of got a respect that he's playing himself, playing himself, playing himself. He's willing to do all these weird things. Yeah. I mean, mean, have you seen um, uh, the the ah damn what's it called the movie that I love that I've told you to watch before about with Nick Cage you probably haven't because probably it's not. Even, but which which one probably before your time oh man adaptation what's, adaptation yeah adaptation yeah do you know what funnily enough someone else told me to watch that film this week <laughs> you've got to watch it I know it's high it would be anyway because I, I you know I like Spike John so I I will do yeah. but um yeah I mean to me like what a resurgence Nick Nick Cage has had. Nobody even talks about Pig, and I thought that was one of the best before. I'd have given him an Oscar for best best male actor that year. If you watch Pig, I thought that was an awesome. I movie. haven't seen that one, but I tell you, the one I love is uh, was it Joe? Joe, where he where he's like some kind of weird uh, chain gang leader in the the dirty south. Is it Joe? You know about Lord of War? No, you, Joe. I know you recommended that to me before. I'm sure. Yeah, it's Joe. It's Joe, 2013, Joe. directed by David Gordon Green. That just highlights his range mm. where he's oh, he's that same fun. character, but it plays it earnestly. Yeah. I mean and what I like what I did enjoy about um Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent was he was dealing with his residual self image, which was yeah. him from Wild at Heart. Have you seen you've seen that, right? Wild at Heart? No. 
So, you know, when he was talking to himself and he was a younger version of himself in the leather jacket with the long hair? Yeah. That was his character from in Wild at Heart. Heart. Okay. You're right. Yeah, which is David Lynch, which is like, it was like, it was basically what made him like it, this kind of like crazy cowboy character that just yeah. falls into this like weird series of events, which is what happened in Unbear- Unbearable Weight. So that's kind of... <clears throat> If you hadn't seen that, then it would it would have lessened the effect of the film. Uh, what did you think about Unbearable Weight? Did you like it? Or? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I didn't. Yeah, obviously, I, I hadn't even seen that, so I didn't even approach it from that angle. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't think it was a special movie at all. I just thought it was a I thought it was a fun, interesting concept, zany comedy. I thought it, it left a little bit to be desired. I don't think it's. It went too crazy, didn't it? That's the thing. A little it went bit, too yeah. action movie. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I, I, I think of the movies Nick Cage has put out in the last few years. Like I say, I think Dream Scenario and Pig are absolutely elite but i like the idea that he's doing like a few kind of artsy films that he does like a little mm. bit of a more he, he, it's like i don't know it's not that he says yes to anything but he says yes to varying kinds of things where he's not afraid to make fun of himself but can also play a serious role i don't know it's yeah he did that martial arts movie right because apparently he does wing chung oh really yeah he did uh, what was it bangkok dangerous was it was it that yeah let me check yeah so he's he's all over the place mm. big fan of nick cage man. if you've not seen pig Go watch it. Dream scenario in cinemas. That's going to be a cult classic. People are going to be talking about that movie 10 years from now and everyone's going to be like, ooh, why have I never seen this film? I'm looking. Yeah, Nick Cage, Bangkok Dangerous. Nailed it. Yeah, I need to go film. through a bit of a Nick Cage, like... Um, well, good luck, because it'll take you out. Yeah. <laughs> so many there. All right. So you've, seen, uh, you've seen Face Off, presumably. No, that's what I mean. There's loads of movies. Face Off you is the one seen... that everyone always references. Well, I, I don't know. know if that's that good, actually. Yeah, I, I, I but it's fun. It's what about, and you've seen um, the one, the other one they talk about, Con Air? Uh, no. Oh, man. Come on. You know I've not seen like any movies in the 90s, girl. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ne- neither of them are great. But my brother still goes on about Con Air, about it's like one of the best movies ever made. I'm not sure it is, but it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. How will yeah, I? John Malkovich in a in a in a seminal role. Oh wait, John Malkovich is in Con Air. Yeah. Okay, that's going right to the top of the watch list. Yeah, I, I absolutely it, love it's John fun. Malkovich. I can't. John, it's, Ma- it's kind of like Snakes on a Plane vibe, but it's good. Oh, John Malkovich looks really young in that. He's evil. Where's he play? He's, he's called a, like Elijah or something. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, Cyrus. He's called Cyrus the Virus. That's it. Yeah. I wanted to at that point after seeing that movie, like Cyrus was on my list of like if I had a kid. He would be called Cyrus. He's in adaptation as well. Mm. Oh, oh. And I tell you, I tell you who's in adaptation. One of my favourite actors of all time. It doesn't get any recognition. Is Chris Cooper? Do you know who that is? Chris Cooper. Let's have a look. Oh man, he's. Oh, so he's good. Little, oh I do know him. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. You know, you're right. He doesn't. He's not a name you get a lot of. Um, right, dead now. I think. Pop from. Oh, is he really? I think so. He was in Little Women that came out in 2019. No, maybe he isn't dead. And he must. I love those like uh, sort of character actors like him and JT Walsh, those kind of dudes like just I don't think make, he's dead. Make roles come alive, you remember. Oh, he's in American Beauty as well. Mm. The Breach was good with Chris Cooper. That was his kind of lead where he played like a um, CIA dude that was like leaking stuff to the other side and it's like a bit of a spy drama. That's quite good. Yeah, definitely one of them faces that I recognise uh, in everything, but I couldn't have told you his name. Yeah, no, he's good, man. Respect that, then. Right, should we wrap it up? Yes, do. Oh, and if if anyone still has an inkling of interest in the MCU, the Marvels is actually pretty good. Is it? I know no one's going to watch it, 
So whatever, I'm not going to die on this hill or whatever. But uh, if if you know if you're still in, if you're still interested, I think uh, I think uh, um, have Ms. they blown it? They they may have blown it, but I think Ms. Marvel and and is the best thing that's happened to the MCU since Endgame. I think she's a great character and she's really fun. Okay. Um, but I understand that the many pro- many pro- people are not going to watch that anymore. The problem is <laughs> everything now with Marvel that I turn on, I'm like like I turned on Loki and suddenly. I need to have seen 15 Marvel movies to realize what's going yeah, on, I know. which I have seen, but it's like too long ago. And now it's like, it's too interwoven, but which is weird because that's the thing I liked about some of the stuff. It was the universe yeah. interweaving, but now it's got too self-referential. They need to like ease off the gas a little bit. The, I don't know. The, I, don't I think know the TV shows kind of killed it. Even though a few of the TV shows were good, Loki, WandaVision were, were really good. I think the oversaturation and the fact that there's just so much content that people feel like they need to have seen. That's Even if the they don't, in real, in, in you know, reality, because um, I think in rea- it, to be honest, what do you actually need to watch? I mean, Loki and Wandavision, really. Uh, I guess you'd be a little bit confused about why there's a new Captain America if you didn't watch that series. But I mean, you can catch up. Yeah, I don't but know. You, you turn on Loki, and immediately you're watching like behind the scenes from Avengers Endgame. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa what's going on? I needed to watch <laughs> Avengers Endgame before this, and then. Uh, but you've seen Endgame. Yeah, but I can't remember it. <laughs> I don't know. I forget that I have Chloe next to me who just knows everything. So it feels like probably, they've blown it. Yeah, they, they had it. They had it for a second. Right? It, I, I will say the end of the Marvels, if nothing else, does set up like some something fun. But whether or not it'll actually come to pass, because because <laughs> nobody's watching the damn things anymore. I don't know. Mm. Um, but there's going to be no series next year, and there's only one movie, and it's Deadpool, which will do well anyway. So. You're going yeah, to be well, without Marvel for like 12 months, basically. The strikes so. helped them, I think, because they've been turning out dross for about a year and a half. We'll see if um, we'll see if like interest picks up after you know the distance makes the heart grow fonder and all that. We'll see if hmm. maybe people are back in, but because I could see it, but yeah. they've got to do a bit of a soft reboot, really, aren't they? Where it's uh, it's still in the world, I guess, but you know, a new cast of characters, a new you know, move away from what was and. Well, they, you know, they, I guess what they're they're sort of aiming towards is bringing in all the X Men, isn't it? Yeah. And it, is it X Men with a new sort of Young Avengers twist as well? Yeah. Once they brought that in, do they then like switch the multiverse thing and it's all totally new and they can rebrand? I think so. Possibly. I think that's what yeah. they're going to do. Yeah. All right. Well, bit of movie talk at the back end of the show. Don't mind that. I've got a good game to watch now: Bengals, Bengals Ravens. Enjoy that on the couch. You're going to be rooting for the. Uh... The Ravens. Then? I'll be rooting for the Ravens, yeah, to go top of the AFC North. I think uh, it was Matt. To, it was Matt today. It was like you're rooting for the. Why are you not rooting for the Bengals? Like obviously we could go top of the AFC North. Yeah, you like, sort of want a clear winner, don't you? That's the thing. Is a team playing the Bengals? Okay, I'm rooting for them. <laughs> <laughs> I can't root for the. I can't root for the Ravens, but uh, at the same time, I don't I, have the hate in my heart for the Ravens that I do for the um, Bengals and the Browns. I, I think it's funny because I think in my early years they were the they were the, probably the team that I was the most eager to beat but i think that was more as i say like a like a uh, you know a begrudging respect of two titans you know it wasn't a the browns and bengals i just can't stand i just they're, they're like annoyances they're like flies that i keep batting away i don't know i, li- I like watching the ravens lose <laughs> i don't want to win i don't want to see him win the super bowl you know? i'm not swinging around a ravens flag also uk ravens fans on twitter one of those that aren't following us come on guys get over it Really, I, that... I even sent them a little tweet today. I said, good luck. I was like, good luck against the Bengals. Hope you win. Nothing. Harsh. No response. 
Weirdly enough, it's only the Browns that are okay with us. The other teams are a bit uppity about talking to division rival fan sites and stuff. Yeah, Browns fans don't hate us. Yeah, maybe that's just that's the one thing the Browns fans have got going for them. I think like years and years of um, downtroddenness has, has yeah. left them a little bit more, you know, uh, earnest. Higher up, yeah, higher up the common man rankings. You know, less, less yeah. snobby. Yeah, um, but they do also have the worst takes of any any fans in, in the division. So. And also, none of this, like, oh, for the fall and revenge for the fall and Nick Chubb. Oh, get over it. My God, it was two months ago. Christ. Yeah, it wasn't targeting. It wasn't deliberate. Oh, the way. You, oh, God, you should see Twitter this week. The amount of tweets I've seen that are like, oh, this is going to be the week. Let's hope Minka plays. Shut up. <laughs> like, like Fat Dave over his couch in Delaware is going to, like, get up and do anything to Minka Fitzpatrick. Absolute clowns. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Follow the show at UK Steelers Bud. Follow me at Cyrope. Follow Gav at GM Boom Up. Follow Rich at Rich underscore Batman. No, Stunt underscore Batman on Instagram. Ooh, 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 ooh. And we'll see you next week. See you later. Go Steelers! Yeah. <laughs>